Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 97. What's going on tonight? Um, I was getting a couple more characters. Oh, uh, there's summon boards finished in Defu. You're working hard on that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I pulled on your Knight CX. It's great. Oh, nice. I mean, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I've had that great. one for a while. That's It's, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. He, he's really good in, in the current event. He's, like, way underrated. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I've... Thinking, uh, thinking about getting the, my crafters the last one to seventy since I finished my combat job. So last week, I want to say. Okay. And then I got my aetherite earring like almost immediately after. So great timing there. Woo! Huzzah! Mm-hmm. How about you, Talas? Talas Marvelous joining us again this week. How are you? Woo! Doing good, man. Been uh, been a busy week. We had the Gamers Christmas, also known as E3, this week. Uh, a friend of mine graduated college yesterday. Uh, it's been a wild experience. It's been a really cool last couple days. It's mm-hmm. been a busy week for gamers, um, especially those fans of Final Fantasy. I mean, I was not expecting as much news about uh, Final Fantasy at E3 as we got. Yeah, there were definitely a few that threw me for a loop as well. I mean, we knew we'd get we'd see something from 14 because we knew a live letter was coming this week. Um, we knew from the uh, um, the the Sony uh, direct there was a, that they had a month ago that we'd get more about Final Fantasy VII during E3, but there was a lot more to talk about, which we'll be discussing in the um, a little later on. But um, as far as what I've been up to, I've actually been leveling. I, I finished leveling my Summoner and Scholar to seventy, amazingly. Huzzah! And just damn books. Just before the show today, I got my dragoon to sixty. So as you can nice. see, I've got my uh, my Zervon Pike. That is a epic looking weapon. Yeah, like that. All those random protrusions. That is going to kind of rip someone apart, especially if you're jumping in from above with that. Oh yeah, it is definitely not a kid friendly uh, stick. <laughs> I mean, most of the ones in the game are not. I am. Oh God! Now I'm actually starting to think about this. Child safe weaponry. <laughs> Next lore segment. Ooh. <laughs> well, I mean, there is the uh, Far Eastern staff. That's kind of kid friendly ish. Depending on uh, how, how hard you hit somebody on it, with it bluntly. Yeah, I mean that thing's fairly huge. I mean, it's less stabby stabby than this, but. It's more bludgeony, bludgeony. Is that a thing? That's well, a thing. If it's not stabby, stabby, it's bludgeony, bludgeony. I guess, or or pokey, pokey. Anyway, uh, aside from that, like I said, uh, working on trying to get those irregular tome stones because um, hoping to get the uh, Namazu earrings. Um, heard that they look like they're hanging on for dear life to your ear. Which is that's kind of very awesome. like that, and yeah, that's exactly what they look like. If you have the mount, it's the uh, the one that's hanging off the side that's not helping. It's <laughs> so. In that case, if you like that type of stuff for your glamour, it's worth getting. It's the only way to get them. Uh, it's a hundred of the tomes, and they take forever to get. 
if you're not yeah. like, spamming Circus Tower, or as Talos calls it, Syracuse Tower. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling you out on that. Um, Dude, I don't... The last time... The first time I saw it, actually, was actually an FF3 in a fan translation. The fact that I knew it was a tower at all was kind of a miracle. Well, I suppose Ooh. that's... We'll, we'll give that to you, then. We'll, we'll be nice. This time. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and... Uh, um, continue on here um for those of you who have been following the menfina madness uh blitzball tournament uh you guys are probably aware that they actually moved the finals to next week to give people time to um take in the live letter and e3 and give you know make sure that we can uh continue to raise funds for a uh, an amazing charity um so the finals and the closing ceremonies are june 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern or 5 p.m. Pacific time out at Balmung at the Anemone Gardens where they've been holding all of this, uh, all these uh, games in the past. Um, and Garlemald is going to be going up against Ishgard. And I'm not sure Sounds how about I feel right. about that. Oh, man. Uh, Safe from the Crucible has still been providing a steady stream of positive Ishgard facts. I think he's actually starting to enjoy it a little bit at this point. He he does like to suffer. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, um, but that that means there's still more time to donate. If you still want to support uh, the charity to write love on her arms, um, you can feel free to donate um, to your um, favorite team. I'm gonna link the uh, um, to the. The team page, which you can get to any of the eight teams um, out there. Or if you want to support the best team, even though we're not in the finals, uh, Kugane, um, you, I'll post the direct link as well to the Kugane team. We're, we are currently at $325. Um, and overall, the charity, we're, we're at uh, $2,243 of our $3,000 goal. So, yeah. Dang! I think it actually blew away our initial goal. Wasn't this kind of like a stretch goal we're at now? Uh, no, $3,000 was the goal. Okay, I thought there was like some goal that we had gotten past that uh, they were very excited about. I'm, I mean, we're way, way past what we were at last year. Okay, that might be it. Yeah, because last year we raised just over $1,000, and we, we beat that like before the, the tournament even started. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty amazing. So there have been a lot of amazing people. If you still want to support this amazing charity... Um, like I said, please do. It's a great way to uh, show some support for um, for some amazing yeah. people. The fact that uh, people have continued to donate even after that initial burst, that's also been really heartening. It's not just a, something that's flaring up and then dying down. It seems like people are really in it for the long yeah. haul, and that's been lovely to see. The one thing I'm not 100% certain upon is if that donation total includes the um, pledges per goal. Because that was also a way that people could donate. You could uh, submit, to, you know, that you want to donate X amount of dollars per goal your team scored. Right. Up to a maximum if you wanted to go that route. Um, I'm. It may be that this is just a uh, the the flat rate donations. So we could already be well past our three thousand dollars, depending on how many people uh, pledged per goal donations. So haven't been able to find that information out yet. Can check on that in a little bit. Yeah. If you if you want to maybe ping, um, yeah, Dylan. And I'll actually out. go. I'll actually go ahead and check in with her right now. Cool. Yeah, because I think yesterday was yeah yesterday was the semifinals, so I think tonight's just a night to relax, which is a good thing. Or come join us at Twitch.tv/PhoenixDawnRadio. Um, if you're listening out on the podcast, I guess we do this every other Saturday night live. 
Um, not Saturday Night Live, but every other Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. There's no way to recover from that. Just move on. Nope. I'm tired. Give me a break. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So like we were talking about earlier, um, Square Enix had one hell of a presence at E3 this year. And they dumped a ton of presents on us gamers in the middle of the year. So it was amazing. And It's like Christmas in July. In June. Yes. In mid-July. Mid-June. Now you got me screwed up again. Damn it. Woo! That's what I do. All right. There was a lot, lot, lot of Final Fantasy news coming out of this. I wasn't expecting nearly the news we got. But let's start with the most obvious bit. Final Fantasy VII, we got a release date, which actually dropped at the concert before E3. They did a uh, Final Fantasy VII-themed concert um, on that Sunday. And during this, a shortened trailer, they said that it was launching March 3rd, 2020. It's about time we have a release date. I'm really excited that we finally have a goal that we're looking for as opposed to eventually. Yeah, I think a lot of people were starting to become skeptical about the whole thing. So having something a bit more definite in there has revitalized a lot of the interest. I don't know. I'm just happy that we're going to be getting it less than five years after it was announced. Hi, Final Fantasy Agito. How are you doing? Awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ten years later. Um, um, they, they did confirm it is still going to be a multi-part game. And there is currently enough content for part one to fill two Blu-ray discs. That's just insane. That's a lot. That is a lot. If I remember correctly um, from some old interviews when Final Fantasy VII first came out, uh, they talked about they had to cut a lot of content in order to keep it within the, uh, um, the size uh, restraints that they had at the time. So, 650 meg discs back in what was that 96 97 yeah that's dude we have way better technology yeah they I mean, can fit in much smaller spaces well these are the same nope. size but the discs are but there's more on them i mean we're talking 25 to 50 oh. gigs per disc though yeah no i was just thinking like think of like a flash drive where you could fit like terabytes in your pocket no. We can store stuff better, is my general point. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, oh, it, for sure. They're, they're putting it on disk at this point still, because that's what the PlayStation 4 has. Because can you imagine having to download that from the store? I mean, it's going to be available oh. that way, but I don't want to download, you know, 75 gigs of data um, from Square Enix or Sony. Yeah. And, and as Silver's pointing out in the chat, uh, the first game is just Midgard. That's it. That's wild to think, because like you're out of Midgard in speed runs for seven. You're out of Midgard in minutes, and the fact that we have double Blu-ray disc worth of content. Yeah. What all did they add? That's going to be crazy. Yeah. Well, I from what I understand, they're fleshing out the stories of Jesse, Wiggs, and and Wedge and Biggs. Wiggs and Wedge. There we I'm go. Okay <laughs> with that. Make it that much more of a gut punch when they die. Like, before, I was like, okay, you had these people and they died, and that, I guess that sucks, but, like, make it hurt, Square Enix, make it hurt! Except, please don't. I'm fragile. I mean, they even showed Sephiroth. That surprised me. Yeah, because he didn't make an appearance in uh, the first bit. 
Yeah, because like in the original game, we don't actually really learn anything about him until you've left Midgard and you get to Calm, I want to say. Well, we've heard mentions yeah. about it, but that's about it. I mean, he wasn't actually fleshed up, but it also sounds like there's going to be some more stuff with um, kind of some of the... Um, they're not quite fully manifested, but some spirits in, involving Gen uh, Genova. You know, you, we see that one cutscene where uh, Aerith is reaching out for a cloud, and there's this kind of cloud that spins around them. Yeah, I know. In like a lot of the original, like the original plans for the game, uh, Genova had a bit more of an active pre. Like it was a bit more obvious that there was stuff going on with Genova. Uh, and that was something that they ended up toning down for various reasons. Yep. So I think a lot of that is going to be included in this as well. I wonder if they're going to expand on the uh, the whole honeybee in scene. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and quote uh, my friend Spender, who I think had the best take on what needs to happen there. I think the only real correct play for Square Enix is to outsource the entire wall market area to an LGBT game development studio and just put a big disclaimer on screen when you enter the area that's like, whatever happens from here on out is not our fault. We'll see you after Don Corneo. Peace. <laughs> I would super play that. That sounds funny as hell. Yeah, like anything else, I'm pretty sure one thing or another is going to blow up. And that one at least is kind of funny. Well, like I said, I hope that they don't skirt around it. I hope they just, you know, a lot of people really liked that part of the game. and and Understandable. I mean, it was very, very brave, you know, in a, in a time that was less forgiving than now, so. It also feels like people might be a little more okay with it at this yeah. point. I mean, people like RuPaul's Drag Race, right? True. So, like I said, I, I hope I it's done and that. done well. Um, and at this point, there in, in interviews, they had expressed that they're still actually unsure how many parts there are going to be to this game. Yeah, because at this point, like, it's pretty clear that it's not just a, hey, we're redoing all, like, it is a, like, full-on remake. Mm -hmm. at, like, redoing the entire thing, not just uh, retelling this uh, these couple bits. Yeah, but they're not are... just going to retell it or do what they did with, like, 4 or 6, where they're just like, we tuned up a couple of things, we fixed, you know, magic resistance in 6 kind of thing. Yeah, and nice. then they just let it go. No, they're remaking the entire thing. Yeah, this is way more than a remaster. Um, yeah. It's being speculated that it's going to be three. Three probably feels like the best number. For storytelling reasons, there's a, a lot of reasons that we usually end up with threes. And, and you mean, the original game came on three discs. So it, it does kind of make sense. So we'll see. I really hope they do that just for that sort of alliteration. Like, hey, it came on three discs before. It's also on three discs now. But disc or, three isn't just a boss fight. There's actually versions. stuff... Or three oh, yeah, iterations. three chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're already definitely on discs. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, good point. Yeah, definitely. I think they probably want to change up some of the pacing of various parts. Yeah. One of the coolest parts that they, sh that they uh, displayed was the actual gameplay. Um, it's yeah. a mix of real time action and a time stop ATB system. So it's not just like Final Fantasy 15, but. From what I'm noticing, it blends in some of the best parts of the current Final Fantasy games. Like, we get the real action of 15. There's a stagger system similar to Final Fantasy 13. Um, switching party members back and forth very easily. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's almost very seamless. 
Um, Speaking of which, we got to see another one of our party members, didn't we? We did. We, we certainly got to did. See, we actually got to see Tifa. And wow, <laughs> did they do an amazing job. I liked it. I know some people were kind of were maybe a little bit uh, not happy, but I was. I liked it. I thought it was great. What do you guys think? I liked Tifa's weapon trails on her fists and on her feet. I was actually really interested in Barrett being voiced instead of being text. So now all of his cursing can actually happen as opposed <laughs> to it just being at pound exclamation point, yes. close parenthesis like it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be funny if they put in some ble- some funny bleeps as well as an option. To like the Chocobo Quet as the uh, as the bleep sound effect, or, or, or a Moogle, or just you know like a, a, a or just weird random um, sound clips. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the, that feels like it would just be a huge tone shattering thing. I Agreed, but I agree. I think it would it could be fit the tone, though. but it, it would be a good time for a what the honk. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um. And then, like I said, they also added um, shortcuts for different uh, abilities or things that you want to do in, you know, in the fight. So maybe you can uh, put out like potions or cure spells on um, specific buttons, so that way, yeah, it's easy to get to stuff. Maybe a sim- almost something like a sim- like a simplified gambit system. Maybe I don't know. I didn't actually see it played, but it was playable very- at E3, which is cool. So here's my question. Who likes Kingdom Hearts? Because this feels a lot like Kingdom Hearts. Well, I mean, Nomura is working on this too, so. And you can definitely tell that he's working on it. Similar to how you can tell when Type 0 is completed, that director took over 15. And there's a spot in 15 where you can tell that everything changes. Whoever's in charge definitely has a lot of pull at Square Enix Project. That's true. But... Nomura also worked on the original Final Fantasy VII. Which is why he's the perfect person to be on this one. Yep. Um, but like I said, so far I'm liking what I'm seeing after they brought it internal. Um, everything looks polished. The, the trailer they showed at E3 was just phenomenal. Uh, it gave me goosebumps. And I was just a very happy guy. Um, and that, then the extended trailer they showed also... Uh, showed, like I said, showed Tifa and Marlene, and then, like I said, we saw Sephiroth as well. And then later on, they actually announced who the voice cast is for the English version. Um, Dude, this was crazy. Like, we knew they were going to have a really good cast, but the people that they picked and the audio that we heard, Cloud sounds like Cloud, as opposed to the Cloud from Kingdom Hearts that didn't sound quite right. Yeah. This sounds like Cloud. It's very... Though they did not use the Advent Children cast, they went with a, nope. t- a totally different cast. Um, for instance, Cloud is voiced by Cody Christian, uh, who was in All American and the newer Teen Wolf reboot. Um, Barrett is voiced by John Eric Bentley, who was in Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen and the Independence Day Resurgence. Um, Aerith, voiced by Brianna White. Um, she was in like Criminal Minds Beyond Borders and Occupants. Tifa, voiced by Britt Barron, who was in Glow. I believe that's the one on um, Netflix. That sounds right. Yep. 
Uh, Jesse, voiced by Erica Lindbeck, who is in Spider-Man, Persona 5, and Thundercats Roar. I believe those are all the video game versions. Biggs, voiced by Gideon Emery. He was in four. He he did uh, um, Ranger in fourteen, and did, oh, interesting. He also did Balthier. Ooh, okay, yeah. Balthier had some really interesting voice delivery. I think that's probably part of why he got selected. Yeah, well, I mean, Emery, he's, he's just a really good, um, been a really good voice actor, I thought. And he's got, you know, Final Fantasy cred already. And then, So they've worked with him before and they know what to expect, exactly. too. Uh, Wedge, voiced by Matt Jones, who was in Breaking Bad. And then Sephiroth is voiced by Tyler Hoechlin. I believe that's how that's pronounced. And w- what did we look up that he was in, Sarah? I forgot already. Uh, let me see. I was, yeah, I was looking over the, uh, not filmography. It's like it's a different thing when it's a voice actor. Let me pull that up again for Tyler Hoechlin. Da da da. Hoechlin. Okay. Hey, yeah. Let's see. Da da da. Martin Brewer on Seventh Heaven. Uh, he played Superman on Supergirl. Oh, yeah. and that's what it was. Things. Yeah. He was, oh, he's, yeah. He's a CW Superman. That. Oh, because there was the Supergirl series that has, uh, what's her name from Ally McBeal, Supergirl's boss. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've that, watched like three episodes. Actually, I, I like that show, but let's keep moving. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Because <laughs> um, the other thing that I want to go through is there was actually a blog post uh, posted by the producer Yoshinori Kitase. Um, out on the uh, SE blog, and I found this thanks to Nova Crystallis, so I'm going to read through a bit of this. Uh, he states, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a reimagining of the iconic original game that goes much deeper into the world and characters of Final Fantasy VII than ever before. Our goal with this project is to rebuild Final Fantasy VII for a new era. We're not making a straight one-to-one copy or a simple remaster of the original game. It's a huge work, huge volume of work and data to reimagine this world. Each game in the project will have a volume of content comparable to a standalone Final Fantasy. This disc version of this game, of the first game, is actually a two Blu-ray disc set. This approach allows us to remake the original without having to scale back on everything players loved. So, I mean, and it goes on and on. I don't want to read the entire thing, but I will link it to you guys if you want to go ahead and read it. Uh, uh, so thanks to uh, Nova Grisales for finding and posting that. Mm-hmm. But um, he is really, really in, uh, into the game, and he wants to make sure that uh, fans um, get what they imagined and what they've been waiting for for, was it, 23 years? And it really is something where it feels at this point, just as we said earlier, just doing the remastered one. It might tickle those nostalgia bones for a little bit, but I don't know that it necessarily has as much impact long term or reaching beyond people who played that original one. All right. Anything else you guys want to delve into regarding Final Fantasy VII, other than the fact that I wish I could have played it? Nah, I would have liked to have played it. I'm interested to see the changes in the battle system, but march it in. You know, we might get lucky. They may actually post um, a uh, a demo. I mean, we did get a demo for 15, you know, with Episode of Sky. We got a couple demos for 15, if I recall. Mm, did we? 
I know, we, like I said, the one I came on uh, Final two. Fantasy uh, uh, Type Zero. Thought we got at least two. Oh well, never mind. Either way, like I said, hopefully we we get something that we can download to kind of uh, wet our whistles, so to speak. I'd be a little surprised if they didn't do something to try to keep building that hype. Yeah, maybe around uh, the September time frame. October. September, October. The, the thing that confuses me is why March instead of doing for holiday? And then I thought about it and looked at previous years. There is jack going on in quarter one for most of the time. So yeah, why not throw out something that you're not going to have any competition and you're throwing out Final Fantasy VII? It's actually the end of their fiscal year. Yeah, it's going to be really, so, really good money. Yeah, I mean, that and the fact that uh, they also are, have the Avengers game dropping at a similar time frame, I believe, April. Is that when that one goes out? When did I write that? I honestly saw that there was an Avengers-related thing and literally just tuned out until it was back to Final May. Fantasy. May 15th. So they're going to end the year strong with seven and they're going to start the new year strong with the Avengers game. So, I mean, that's why they're spacing it that way. This was realistic. They could have flip flop them, but I think they'd have a lot more angry Final Fantasy fans. Agreed. I mean, I think, feel like you're going to get angry Final Fantasy fans no matter what you do. Well, we are not a peaceful people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so other things that were announced during the Square Enix keynote. Um, this one came out of left field for me. Final Fantasy VIII Remaster. Hell yeah! Yeah, given all the rumors and claims I'd heard that there had been some issue with the actual original assets, that stuff hadn't been archived properly, uh, I don't know if those weren't true or if it's just that they were, but they did manage to finally get something. But definitely was not expecting that one. And not only just you know really announced but it's coming out this year guys oh man like that scene where Renoa's telling squall you're the best looking guy here oh it my might God, actually be true that time <laughs> the <laughs> memes that have existed for that for so long oh it's the best like, yeah i remember i went back and i was watching gameplay videos because i was looking at stuff about the animations comparing to other things and i was like this is really hard to watch the graphics are really dated and i went and watched the new footage of gameplay it's like huh no that actually looks reasonable i don't feel kind of cringy watching this anymore it looks nice i mean they've got enough ports available maybe they were able to uh, um kind of um break those down and improve the anti-aliasing on them apply it you know into a newer engine and just get it to work a little bit smoother plus i mean you are making so many words klaus i'm gonna pretend that i know what you're talking about <laughs> We also have to look at how much they're doing with Seven. Like, at this point, they know they can build a game from scratch. So if we can save any assets out of a reverse-engineered PC copy of Final Fantasy VIII, sure, why not? Reutilize those, rebuild the rest. I mean, that's how they had to do it for a few of their other games as well. So, Unfortunately, Square Enix has not had the greatest luck in, in saving assets from old games. That's a bit of a problem there, yeah. We've heard the same type of thing for Nine. So, dude, nine's gonna be a mess when they remake it. Cause let's be real, they did seven, they did eight, they've done one through six, they fixed fourteen. Nine's coming. Just and don't forget the the, the remaster of twelve as well, and ten, and ten, ten too. Like 10. I said, nine's coming. 
Yeah, nine got well. Nine got a similar treatment to what eight got, and that was basically just a slightly reverse engineer and uh, improvements on the uh, on on an old port. So. Yeah, but I want like like we're getting for seven. Not exactly, but like I want a a rebuild of the game to see what's possible because oh. eight is a lot of fun to speed run, and there's a lot of stuff that was broken in that game. I'd like to see what that game is like if it was actually designed correctly. Yeah. So I, yeah, think- I feel like we're kind of at a point where they've got a big enough library that they could just periodically take this one and be like, hey, here's this familiar old story. We are going to re-examine it, take it apart. Like, you could do that on a long enough cycle at this point, I think. I don't know if 9 would fit in a, in a, the type of uh, gameplay that they've been putting out with the newer Final Fantasies, though. They, that's when they may actually want to, to revisit uh, an older ATB-style gameplay again. Or something else entirely. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, the real-time gameplay I don't think is going to fit quite as well in that type of setting. Definitely not. But I mean... You're not going to fit quite as well in my car trunk. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't fit into very many car trunks there. You guys have trunks in your car? Crazy. That and I usually kick them out. Yeah, I see. Anyway, you should put that on your resume. So, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is are already also being remastered. Um, it's coming out for uh, PS4, Switch, and mobile this winter. I'm getting on PS4. Anybody want to join me? Just let me know, and we'll have a good time. I call dibs on care. <laughs> Uh, I I only know every time Rail. Crystal Chronicles comes up. Oh, so no, oh, go ahead. Yeah, every time Crystal Chronicles comes up, the music just keeps popping into my head. So good. They used a lot of really exotic instruments for that soundtrack too. They made something weird, and it was in a weird world, so they wanted to have a weird soundtrack. They like I know a lot of the instruments. Like they used a freaking crumb horn. Those things are ancient. The hell is a crumb horn? Oh, hang on, hang on. I got Don't this bring one. it into bed with you. Ew. Ew, baby. So it is a musical instrument of the woodwind family, most commonly used during the Renaissance period. It looks kind of... Let me just find a picture for you. Yeah, that'd be great. Is it one that sounds kind of honky? A little bit, yeah. I think I know what... I don't know what it looks like, but I kind of know what the sound is then. Here, I'll just put it in the... Uh, show channel so you can see and you can share it out with folks as well. I mean, if you wanted to post it out in in the Twitch chat, oh, that's sure. fine too. You have the power. It's true. I oh can yes. Do that. Okay. Yeah. I I have. Um, not whiskey not... tango foxtrot is this thing, and that is totally a Crystal Chronicles instrument if I have ever seen. I mean, it looks isn't like it though? Something you could totally <laughs> put like a uh, an umbrella top on, and uh, you could uh, kind of hide it that way if you wanted to. I seriously am imagining, like, you know how all the Moogle weapons look from King Mog? I'm imagining a Moogle version of this particular oh, instrument, and it looks just perfect. I mean, look at the Moogles flying around your head. One of them's playing something reasonably close. Well, yeah. Exactly my thoughts. Well, that's more just like a regular horn. Yeah. Let's see, reading a little bit about... Sorry, I posted the Discord one, and you posted the, the original one. It's kind of funny. Derives from the ger- uh, German term meaning bent horn. Duh, duh. Oh, apparently the old English crump, meaning curve, which survives in stuff like crumpled and crumpet. Ha! Huh. I'll crumple your crumpet. 
salacious wink question mark <laughs> uh, hi i'm right here do i need to go for a minute i can come no. back later no <laughs> you're gonna sit here and you, you can, can watch, watch. No! God damn it. All right, moving oh on. Oh my god. <laughs> Disclaimer, we here at Phoenix Down Radio want all of your voyeurism to be consensual. Stay safe, it, kids. It, we are 38 <laughs> minutes into the show before we went off the rails. Good job, guys. It's like twice as long as last. I'm proud. Um, all right, continuing on. Um, not actually Final Fantasy, but very, very close. Octopath Traveler is now available on uh, PC and Steam. It's basically it, you Final fuckers. Fantasy. It's amazing. Seriously, though, like if you don't have a Switch, this is how you're playing Octopath. It's an incredibly good game, and it's one of those things that you have to be like, oh, you should play it. It's on Switch. And then people look at you and go, and what else do I play? Mario Kart 8? You know, yeah, crap. All right, good point. Uh, or now you, or right, but now you can come in and go, hey, it's on PC. And, and everybody goes, oh, sweet. I will definitely spend 40 bucks for... 50 hours of gameplay in this particular game. No problem, because it's so well done. It also has some Tre- replayability, doesn't it? It does. Mm-hmm. Tressa is best girl. Agreed. I mean, it's one I'm actually contemplating. Um, another one that's uh, coming out uh, based in the uh, Final Fantasy Brave XVS world, uh, War of the Visions. This is a um, tactic-style game. Um similar to uh, the game Alchemist's Code, which is another one of Gumi's um, games. This one's coming out just for mobile, though. But uh, for those of you who played Final Fantasy Brave XPS out on uh, um, Android or iOS, the gotcha version of it, is, it's a, it was a fun game. It had me enthralled for a while, but uh, they got a little bit too greedy with their gotcha on my end and uh, don't really do much with it anymore, but... I like the world, I like the lore they're building, and I'm interested to see how it works. Yeah, I pretty much have just been getting random login bonuses for a while. I'm thinking of uh, removing Brave as soon, which is a pity because maybe I should go back and actually catch up with the story because it did seem like they had this really interesting original story, uh, setting, lots of stuff developed around it. Although you could uh, get characters uh, for your team from other Final Fantasy games, they had a lot of other world original ones. Oh, I mean, uh, a, a lot of original characters in that game. Mm-hmm. So, it's... So it's definitely something where it's... Seems like there's an interesting setting here, but a lot of the gotcha-based uh, stuff was starting to become a problem. So it's a little more tempting to look at this alternate version of it. Yep. So I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be a game that'll have a, a price uh, to, to pay to, to play it. Probably around the ten dollar we'll oh, mark. Oh, for sure. Well, because I mean, I know uh, as you said, uh, gameplay wise, it's supposed to be fairly similar. Well, I don't know if it's similar to, but uh, Gumi does uh, run the Alchemist Code, which is also in that tactic style, and I believe does have some gotcha elements. I don't know the details. It's actually one I've meant to take a look at since a friend of mine plays. Like I said, it's one that I will look at if it doesn't have much gotcha involved. Um, otherwise, like I said. I have way too many games that I have to uh, go through that are gotcha style, and I'm getting sick of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even Defu is kind of Defu is kind of getting me down too. I just never got into the gotcha style games. I don't really play anything on my phone, so I didn't really think about it. And now it's like, oh, it's this huge game, and it's well expanded. There's all this stuff. I'm like, great. Can I just like watch it on YouTube or something? Because I'm just not interested. in yeah, watching shit on YouTube. 
highly underrated and highly overrated. It's highly Agreed rated. Um, so I'm interested to see what uh, more comes of that. Um, they also announced the collection of mana for the Switch, which includes uh, the original Adventures of Mana, which many of uh, us over in, in the U.S. might remember as Final Fantasy Adventure. That remember, is correct. I remember playing that. Oh, I played the hell out of that on my Game Boy. It was I a really fun was, game. I was young enough to not really understand a lot of the strategic stuff too well, so I couldn't get anywhere on it. I feel like, like I do better now. It reminded me a lot of, of a Zelda game. Very much similar, you know, top-down style. And that's, I think, why I really liked it, because it, it took, you know, the Final Fantasy elements that I, was, that I enjoyed... And played like a, a Zelda game, which I really liked as well. So, uh, crossed both of those. Um, that was kind of where I was at, at the same, because you and I are about the same age, and it was like, ooh, it's like Zelda, but it's Final Fantasy instead, but it's definitely not the Final Fantasy on NES that I know and love. Yeah. It was something else, and then we determined, oh, it's something very different. I mean, though, I always thought it was better than Final Fantasy Legend. Well, yeah, but like that's not super hard. I could throw a banana peel on top of your Game Boy, and it was a better game than Legend. Ooh, shots fired! <laughs> and this is coming from somebody that likes Pokemon. Ouch! All right. Uh, also includes Secret of Mana, and the previously unreleased outside of Japan Trials of Mana, which is basically a remake of uh, Seiken Densetsu Three. Yeah. All right. Hands up. Who totally learned about how to patch uh, ROMs uh, because of Seiken Densetsu 3? Anyone? I think, I think only you raised your hand, Sarah. Okay, there were totally other people playing it. People wouldn't be this excited over Seiken Densetsu 3 if they hadn't been playing it through an illicit ROM on their parents' computer. Cough, cough, looking at my copies of Final Fantasy 2 and 3. Uh... <clears throat> Phoenix on Radio does not endorse the use of illegal ROMs. Or the cool, cool crime of piracy. Wait, what? Moving right along. <laughs> By the way, I can never work at Nintendo again. So, anyway. And then, of course, uh, the one that relates to all of us, the Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers launch trailer, which we watched yeah. before the podcast started tonight. And holy shit, did Solus ever really drop a bomb on us again. I, my understanding was, like, during the actual showing of the trailer, there was someone who shouted, holy shit, in the theater. Yep. That's well, he great. Said, holy, and he stopped himself short because everybody could hear him. Right. And that was hilarious, oh by the way. Oh, my God. So oh, God. To, to the guy who yelled holy at, the, uh, at E3, way to go. We all heard you, and we all felt the same. You speak for us, random person. Apparently, I say that a lot lately. It's true. Ah, but wow. I mean, that trailer was something else. I thought it was well done. Um, it kept the spoilers to a minimum. Um, and I think, I wonder how much of it is actually meant to be um, kind of a diversionary tactic to kind of get us, you know, thinking a little bit more openly about the, uh, about Heidelin, about Zodiac, about how everything is kind of tied together in this uh, realm. 
Yeah, this was something, so there is, of course, that one big spoiler uh, towards the end, though I believe it was actually mentioned in an interview uh, where Yoshi uh, had essentially said, like, yeah, they are astronauts, like, should we we be revealing it? But partly it's a the play, like the players who've been paying attention to the story, were most of the way to that revelation themselves, and by putting that in there, it's kind of a trying to build a hype for this is something we feel comfortable telling you in the trailer. What hidden stuff is there going to be like after that? Like how much more awesome is it going to be? Yeah, I mean, how much bigger is it going to be that we're throwing something this massive at you? And if you skipped MSQ, if you're what somebody that bought a jump potion and started this game at level sixty. That's going to hit you like a truck. Or you just don't care because you skip the cutscenes. That's true. Uh, the other bit with that is I'm betting this all actually happens pretty early on. And that there's a lot more beyond that. So, Oh, yeah. likely. Whatever we see in the trailer, whatever they give us, like, I mean, even, okay, back to Final Fantasy VII. Check out this train. Check out this boss fight. Check out these this mechanics thing it's like that's the first four minutes of the game like they didn't give us anything yeah i also suspect like those scenes that we're stealing that's fairly early on uh when oh, sure. we're actually arriving and establishing yeah and it may still be be before we go over to the first i hope so 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 yeah, that was a lot of what uh, Square dropped regarding Final Fantasy. Um, they, they, they dropped a whole bunch of other stuff too, but uh, like I said, if you're interested in that, you can go out and check out the uh, the keynote that they did on Monday night, which I thought was amazing. They did a great job on it. Um, if you watched it with me Monday night here on twitch.tv slash phoenixstarmradio, hope you guys had a good time. You know, we sat in here and we kind of uh, MST3K'd it, or we went, holy shit, you know, like that guy, so... <laughs> All right, so um, let's go ahead and move on. Um, I, I figure the easiest way to do it is um, we'll talk about the live letter that happened yesterday. And uh, we can go into the Nova Crystallis uh, uh, live letter summary. I'll link that to you guys. I was going to see if Gamerscape had one, and I got lazy. I, got, I started doing Dragoon stuff. I also did take some notes as well, guys. If you want to check out the bottom of the show notes, we can go through some of that too. Uh, cool. I do have the Gamer Escape one. I can link that to you really fast if you want. Sure, put it in the uh, the, the Twitch chat if you want, and then I'll pull sure. it from there. And I'll put it in the notes, too. Yay, we're doing work while we're Woo! doing podcast. Because we're good that way. Oh, man. So All professional. Right. So, like I said, they started out um, with a dungeon teaser, which didn't really show all that much. Because Not really. they were concerned about spoilers, which I appreciate that they were uh, looking out for us. They, w- they wanted to show more, because, I mean, in, the, in previous dungeon uh, previews, they did show quite a bit more, but it also didn't have as much to do with spoilers. So it just yeah. goes to show that all of the dungeons are storyline and are, are very important. I uh, do like uh, they got a, another one of those dungeons being kind of that outdoor like a lot of like a lot of the ones where they have the more open outdoorsy type setting Hallbreaker isle of comes to mind for instance mm-hmm. or bardem's metal and so seeing that we're getting a bit more of that oh 
uh, just got an update. Uh, Dylan's letting me know that the uh, totals for the Memphina Madness, the fundraising totals we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. do not include per goal pledges yet. Oh, nice. So we oh, could so have, we have, have more, more, potentially. Oh, yeah. We could mm -hmm. be over 3,000, depending on... Man, depending on how much it is, we could break past, like, even... Like, if uh, people donated a bit more, we could possibly, like, double that goal. Yeah. And Easily. No Who knows how much people um, pledged, so... Mm -hmm. All right, so the, one of the first things that they showed was um, after the uh, the um, the dungeons. Do we want to talk about the dungeons a little bit more, I suppose? Yeah, let's talk about the dungeons a little bit more. Um, yeah, there were... A, actually, I was surprised at the number of outdoor ones. There was more than just a couple. There was like three or four. And there was Don Meg. That's the one we know the name of. There was this barren one that had a whole bunch of kind of white etheric kind of constructs that were changing and then turning into this white pal uh, palatial area. That was trippy. That was trippy as hell. Um, there was kind of a uh, Feywood looking one. Um, Which I think we saw some of the art for a couple of months ago, but like we didn't get a lot of info. Yeah, no. The one with like all the flowers, the very vibrant. No, uh, that's greenery. Dawn Meg. Um, well, oh. I'm talking about the more woodsy one, not maybe not Feywood might be the wrong uh, phrase for it. Um, yeah, I'm it, looking through the video. one of the early now. ones. Okay. It, it reminds me of the um, the area that they, um, ends up being on fire. Oh, that they show okay. In, the tra in, the, in, in previous trailers. Right. Well, yeah, like you do see plenty of trees, but then you can also see kind of that harsh whiteness beyond them. Yep. It feels very much like a refuge. Like looking at it now, it kind of feels like we're in this place where there's a forest fire raging in the distance and we're safe, but maybe not completely safe. Yeah, That harsh brightness is coming. Yeah, they only showed like about six different dungeons it looked like. And they said there were at least nine in uh, that, that came right with Shadowbringers. So a few of them, they, they aren't able to show us because of spoilers. But what they did show looked really nice, and I'm actually looking forward to running those in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of dungeons to run. Yep. And then one of the next things that they jumped into, uh, talking about it because it was available to play on the, uh, the show floor, was the Titania boss fight. And I actually yeah. have a screenshot from that. Um, God damn. Yas Fae Queen. Is she amazing looking? Those wings, those butterfly wings are just beautifully done. Gorgeous. Absolutely knockout gorgeous. Yeah, my understanding is there's a couple ads during the fight that themselves end up being uh, side references to A Midsummer Night's Dream, which I feel like really adds to that feeling. Yep. And I thought it was funny that uh, Yoshida was uh, invuln during the, this fight, except for the point when he didn't uh do mechanics and the uh mechanics killed him so that was pretty funny that was no matter great. how invincible you are you can't ignore mechanics yes nope uh, and this act this battle happens pretty early on it's a level 73 fight um apparently That's it's gonna not be interesting because only about 30 percent of uh, participants who tried the uh battle challenge uh completed it now, they that's actually after a modification, if I recall correctly. Yeah, one of the things that they mentioned was that 
of the battle was also uh, with the way the new battle system changes, like all the changes to skills and the like. So a lot of people mm. were probably uh, wanting to do muscle memory. Okay, I need to go into this skill yet, and not yet comfortable with how their favorite jobs play now. That's true. That so. was actually something that was said was that they had to change it after day one because we everybody was missing stuff. Like your tank stances are different, your rotations are different. And so day one was so bad, they actually ended up buffing the player characters. So they had a better result on days two and three, if I But still, that's, that's pretty cool. But... So yeah, it might be worth it to take a little bit of time to practice your job before you go whole hog into the new stuff. Yeah, that's going to be something that's going to be really hard for some of the tryhards. Yeah, the Titania fight is called the Dancing Plague. So that's kind of an interesting and ominous name. That is a very creepy name, to be totally honest. Especially since the fight names usually refer to the location where it's happening more than anything else. So if you have a location that's referred to, that's... Huh. Sorry, I am falling back into deep thought again, but... All good, man. All good. All right. So then beyond that, then uh, they showed a really interesting-looking... mount that is going to be pretty prevalent on the first the uh the, the camel looking chocobos the amaro oh gosh yeah <laughs> made jokes about how they were uh, a camel bird similar uh, to the way the way uh, they call horse chocobos bird. horse birds yeah, exactly I mean, Did they, you see there's a video of uh, Yoshida being asked, would you ever consider doing, like, uh, World of Warcraft server. is doing, doing yeah, a one point, and he just goes, nightmare. It's like, oh my god, dude, he's so done with that yes, question. I saw that, and that was hilarious. Yeah, I think the people asking those questions may not appreciate why it's a little easier to do that with WoW than it would be with uh, FF14 1.0. Yeah, it's just a flat-out different game. Um, but the music in Titania was also amazing. Oh, one thing uh, that it noted, which I think uh, some people might find... See- like, it's a minor thing, but in terms of people paying attention to battle system stuff, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the Titania fight was in a square-shaped arena. And I know a lot of them, they've often done, like, circles just because, uh, for various reasons the, uh, w- relating to layout, the circle is a lot easier to set up effects. So having it in a square-shaped type thing is a little unusual. I remember they talked about the... Uh, was it the dueling square, the one at, uh, at the Wolf's Den? Mm-hmm. Where actually having it in a square was something that was... Or it was like a circle, even though it was being referred to as the square. Yeah. So I'm a little curious about that. If they are starting to overcome some of those other issues. Well, no, but they had squares for... Hmm. They've done I squares just in the that... past, but... Yeah, I remember this was something that came up before, uh, and there was some stuff discussed about it. I wonder if they are going to be trying some of those more unusually shaped arenas. I but want it... an octagon. Ooh. Or maybe a uh, some sort of parallelogram. Rhombus. I want a weird shape. A, an amorphous blob. Blobular. Anyway, it's a fight I'm looking forward to. It's going to be a good fight for sure. Then they jumped into the trust system, and Yoshida ran through Don Meg with uh, some of the different trusts after going through all of their different attributes. Um, 
One thing with them is uh, it's something that you can use to challenge main scenario dungeons um, solo if you want. So you can go in and fight with uh, the Scions and not have to worry about, you know, queue times. So, I mean, if, D if DPS queues are really slow, you know, it might actually be faster for you to take a little more time in the dungeon than wait 30 minutes for the queue. I'm super down for that because there are some times that you get into dungeons you're just like, oh, crap, I have to run this level 41 whatever. You sit in queue for freaking forever. You get in and you're like, awesome. My healer doesn't have their job stone equipped and we're like post level 40 and everybody is awful. Now you'd be like, screw this. I'm going with Alpha now. Let's do this. And you just wreck mm -hmm. the dungeon. Yeah. Though it's not on the older content. It's only on the new dungeons. Yeah, but... I mean, Blue well, Mage yeah, is going to go up in level two and we got we get promotions from our grand companies and, oh, it only goes to this right now. Yeah, I mean, they may... Dude, every mount's going to fly in two weeks. Like, stuff changes. Spoilers! They they do have some other caveats about uh, how uh, trust the trust system would work, but it does seem like a nice alternative, especially yeah. if it's something where there's a longer queue and you're in a little bit more of a hurry. Yeah, some of the big things that they talked about were the rate of item drops is, is cut to 25% of normal, so you can't take advantage of you know getting four times the drops if you solo it, because obviously the uh, trusts are not going to be rolling on loot. So does that mean That's there's a very only going to be... Point every other boss is going to drop a, a, a coffer? I'm not quite sure how they'd handle it. Or is it just the last boss? Well, because uh, I know they usually have the, uh, the coffers dropped by bosses, and then you may have coffers midway through that contain gear. So, yeah, so maybe they might balance it out some way on that. Yeah, because, I mean, dropping it by a quarter, I mean, the new dungeons drop two items generally per boss um, coffer. And then there's probably so if if you average yeah. it out, there's probably so, about twelve to sixteen pieces of gear. If you got yeah, I'm not going to try to guess it at this point. Yeah. A couple things I want to highlight from the uh, from both of the data sources that we have and some other reading I've been doing. Uh, you don't directly command trust NPCs yourself. Each one does have their own kind of personality stuff that they'll tend towards. So depending on what kind of strategy or style you're playing for, you might like to choose certain ones. But they found that. Having an AI that can be interrupted to take commands from the player more frequently than not leads to really stupid behavior. And so they wanted to optimize having it uh, kind of uh, be able to have that behavior where you're not going to think, oh, they're a stupid dumbass. It's a thing that has no idea what it's doing. Uh, they did say that they've been kind of designed so if you do not wipe you expect a dungeon to last about 30 minutes and if you the player are incapacitated you do restart the dungeon yep very similar to what would happen with your uh, squadrons yep uh they do have uh, uh that uh thing where it said that, like we expect to take about half an hour give or take uh, apparently, if they uh, if the trust NPCs are being delayed from using attacks, for instance, if they're having to dodge around a lot, uh, they will start using skills that improve their damage to help you get you back around to that baseline. Yep. So it's basically going to be if you were to run a dungeon with uh, very fresh players and taking yep. your time, you're you're not going to be pulling entire uh, groups, trash mobs from beginning to the, the first wall. Yeah, no nine-minute runs of the burn. That's not happening. Nope. No. 
they did also mention that the ta uh, stuff like the AI does stack together on stack indicators. The tank AI will actually attempt to turn enemies away from the party. It will attempt to set up that facing for you. So they did a pretty good job on improving on squadron AIs. Mm -hmm. I suppose they used that as kind of a baseline to start with, and at that point then you know built in more so that we were not having to min-max them. Yeah. I do, uh, like, in, I think it was one of the interviews they were talking about, like, if you are playing as a DPS, Minfilia and Ystola will let you use the limit break because they see it as, you're the warrior of light, you're the hero, so you are the one who gets to do this uh, fancy finishing move. Not there's also a There's a comment also that Ystola might be like, eh, that's a DPS loss for me, so I'll let you do it. <laughs> but Alice, she's going to use it every time it pops. Yep, Alice sees herself as like, like, I am walking alongside the Warrior of Light, and it's my job to try to defeat the enemies as fast as I can. So, yeah, she'll pull that out as soon as it's ready. She'll also die a lot. Eh. I mean, it sounds like she is a very enthusiastic gung-ho attacker, which in some cases can be really useful. She'll also die a lot. Eh. Yo, she said she so. her Yeah, she's gonna die, dude. She's gonna die a lot. And then Alpha Noble have that swift cast raise just waiting, because he knew this was gonna happen. Same as uh, Orianger. Yep. Um, speaking of them, they, they did also show off what their jobs are. Uh, Rianger is an astrologian. Uh, Thancrit is Gunbreaker now. Um, they ex ex explained that it was because he spent so much time behind uh, enemy lines in Garlemald that he actually learned how to utilize a gunblade. Um, so he's been a paladin, a rogue, hey, and hey, hey. now he's what? A uh, gladiator, not paladin. Yeah, gladiator. Oh God! Gladiator, yeah, it's rogue, true. And now he's a gunbreaker. My favorite is that gladiators used to use daggers prior to uh, yep. rogues coming out. And one so, like a lot of that super, early, yeah, that's super early content. Even in Realm Reborn, yeah. he's using a dagger because you could do that back. And then he used two daggers. Uh, Minfilia is the Oracle of Light, even though she's shown to, to wield rogue daggers. Uh, yeah, I see, I appreciate that for her and for a couple others, they show the job symbol as being those ones, but they have a different name to highlight that they're maybe not using the exact same skills. They're maybe not, oh, you can't expect them to have access to all the same things or work in the exact same way, just it's going to be peripherally related. Yep. I kind of like that. It's, it, and for Minfilia, it makes sense for her to have daggers, especially if Fancred is now using a gunblade. Yeah, he just passed them down. I mean, does anyone else remember level 18 quest where Minfilia gives you a, a, one of her daggers to go take it and get it improved with Materia? That's true. Oh, no yeah! That's true. Um, also, it was mentioned that Thancred will still use a few of his uh, skills from being a rogue. So, so the, all you gunbreakers out there hoping you can do the same stuff? Nope. Um, Alice is confirmed red mage still. And then Alphano is a academician. Academician. Um, so he's a summoner, but not a summoner. He's a, he well, shows a scholar icon, but he's not a full scholar. Yeah. Uh, it does look like in the screenshot they show uh, have for it, uh, Thancred's uh, Gunbreaker does have that blue background, which is the usual tank color. Alphano's Academician is showing the green background, and it does have the scholar symbol. So something adjacent to scholar, mm -hmm. but... 
Like I said, they, the they scho- just don't have the job stones. Yeah, the scholar job itself has been specifically uh, based around using the uh, tactics and skills of the military uh, strategist scholars of NIM, and Alphano is not trained in that specifically. So it's something that's a similar discipline using similar ideas, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, I mean, because he, he is a, um arcanist, but... Uh... He he decided to kind of go towards the um, the white the light side of the uh, and, and the healing side of that. And speaking of um, all of that, the one that I actually didn't put into the notes for whatever reason, um, Ishtola is referred to as a witch. Well, they, yeah, didn't, show, they didn't show her off. So cool. That's why I didn't have it in that bit of it. It wasn't further down the list. But Ishtola is not necessarily a black mage. But she is called witch, and that's something that I think a couple people had been guessing, predicting. So it's kind of nice to see that confirmed. Yeah, I think I had heard that in in a, a previous interview or article or something. But well, yeah. don't they call her Matoya in one of the videos? They we did. were like, wait, what? And they will explain why in the game. Yeah, people have been speculating plenty on that, but I don't think we have enough for an actual answer. This might be one of those times where we get to please look forward to it. Yep, that's basically what he this said, is to too. Please look forward to it, for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, the trust system looks nice, and like I said, if if your cues are really bad one day, this is a great way to get into your dungeon and get it taken care of so you're not sitting and waiting for 45 minutes. Um, then they went into uh, crafter and gatherer adjustments. This was really, really crazy because, like, my roommate Bannon and I were discussing, like, aren't armor and blacksmith really similar in a lot of ways? And then it's like, alchemist, other than the books that they make and a couple of wands, pretty much everything they do is potions. Everything that Culinarian does is consumable with asterisk, all the other weird stuff like dyes. But, like, it's all consumable. And now we're seeing, oh, they're actually grouping that kind of thing together now. So do you think that uh, Culinarian and uh, um, uh, Alchemist are going to be in the in that particular type of um, crafting group? Oh, for sure. For the consumables? Absolutely. And then I'm, gonna, I'm seeing Black Mage and, or bleh, Blacksmith and Armor. Uh, they go together pretty well. Uh, but then we have things like Weaver that I kind of go, well, you don't, maybe you kind of link up with Leather Worker, sort of, they, but they not entirely. The, the more mo- movable um, armor pieces. The exactly. So it's kind of interesting to see that they're breaking it down a little bit. And I think a big part of that is that a lot of people just haven't bothered to level crafting because it's expensive or they don't enjoy it or they prefer raiding and they have enough money that they can just buy the stuff and that's how the economy and the game works so I mean, a lot happy of to sell it to them yeah exactly right that's how we all that's how crafters and gatherers have giant houses with a bunch of cool stuff in it but it's also going hey if you don't want to level this because it's not fun or not interesting what if we changed it up and made it fun and interesting as a new player, you're not going to notice a difference because you didn't know anything else. And as an as an older player, you've either leveled it up already because you're already interested, so the change isn't going to affect you as much. But if you're an older player that hasn't leveled it up, 
this changes exactly for that group of people yeah. where they go, hey, you've got a legacy tattoo and you have lost your level one weapon as a miner, so you can't level it up without buying a new one. And you're a level two miner. Like, <laughs> you should probably level this at some point. Let's make this easier. Hey, you're a level one leather worker. Let's make this a little bit easier for you. We promise Giva is less intimidating than she appears once you've gotten a few quests in. She's not. Is true. I mean, she's, she's so not, not, but you get used to it. It's like an abusive relationship. I love it. Stay in it long enough and you start normalizing it. Well, there's a, if you start every job and it's whether it's pugilist or, you know, blacksmith or whatever, when you start them, it's always, are you prepared to die? Are you prepared to see the void? Will you go the further distance? Are you strong enough to beat the world? You go to Weaver and it says, are you prepared to suffer? Every single cosplayer I have ever shown that screenshot to has lost their mind laughing. Every single one. People suffer for their art. Oh, do they suffer for their art. So I'm interested to see what changes we have, but at the same time, I'm kind of hoping that it doesn't change crafting so much that all the super established crafters that have really built the economies that we have kind of go, oh, this isn't interesting anymore because now the market crashes. Now all of a sudden we don't have that weird HQ right side piece from level 36 to 44. Like All of a sudden that gets really wonky if we lose those players, and I hope that this change doesn't remove them from our economy. I mean, any change is going to cause some disruptions to the economy, so... Well, I mean, just the, the adding the world visits has been a disruption to the economy. I may have gone on a world world tour in order to buy some cheap desynthing items a week or so back. I have no idea what you're talking about, Sarah. Absolutely not. <clears throat> awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I think overall making this this type of content more accessible to everybody who plays is gonna be a net gain for the game. So I, I yeah, sure, but that's for the game. What about for me? Well, what about for my wallet? I need gil. Do you really need to be sitting on nine billion gil that you're not spending now? Oh, you think that's how much he has? You don't know about his problem with the horse birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's MGP. I mean, I mean, I mean. The thing is, if your MVP gets low enough, they're like, "Why don't you just buy some more with gil?" Has yours ever gotten that low? I mean, it started that low, but at this point, I just kind of get a free 10k every week by showing up in whatever outfit I'm wearing, so... Yeah. Not for... Yeah, so you can do a lot of horsebird betting with that, can't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gamble on the black one. It works every time, except for the time... Times it doesn't, like, every time? Shush! If you or a loved one is struggling with horsebird addiction... <laughs> You know, it, talking <laughs> about you know making these jobs a little bit more accessible, or the the crafting and gathering a little more accessible. I got to thinking a little bit, and I think maybe discussed it in one of the streams this week. You know, w what if they were to just make one crafter job, one gatherer job? I mean, because realistically, aside from what they make, their skills are the same. 
Yes. And it's Truth of Oceans, okay. Truth of Forests, okay. Careful Sin 3 is the same for everybody. I mean, they even mentioned that they're adding uh, Steady Hand 2 and Beer Goes Blessing to every crafter. I mean, we need it. But also, I think there's this thing, ca there's this thing called the armory system. <laughs> That's the only drawback to having only one gatherer and only one craft. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, like, Beer God's Blessing was just... Like, it was so powerful as to be a must-include no matter what. Mm -hmm. well, when you have something that becomes that, then it starts being, okay, this is no longer actually interesting for balanced stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't level that that, that particular craft to get that particular Carpenter. skill... I mean, no, I mean, there were certain ones for each one that you had to cross-class. But, but some, uh, more than, some more than... But, like, Beer God's was... So much uh, yeah, more and, powerful and than steady the hand too. So that was culinarian, right? Yep, that was a third steady hand. Seven. Uh, what's careful synth three? Is that weaver? Uh, careful synth three is all of them. Yeah. Careful synth one and two are weaver, but gotcha. three is everyone. Yeah, three. Gotcha. Three is one that was added in Heaven's Word. I think. But uh, I, mean, I don't know. I'm leveling it up late, so I'm just like, oh, I have a bunch of stuff. Okay, cool. No, I hear you, but I mean. Because, I mean, the only difference between most of them at this point now, like I said, is the um, the tool that they use. So, and the, the fact that we have eight different crafters that are going to have eight different sets of gear, and we don't have the room to stack all of those plus all of our other jobs plus, we need more room, Yoshi! Or yeah, we, we need more room because we have a main hand times 30, six, something. three, yeah, 30 something. It's a ton of jobs. It's getting a little out of hand. I, mean, I have always said in any MMO, the true currency is inventory space. Well, yep. I know Yoshida has said in the past that, and other people have, 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 have also expressed this, Final Fantasy XIV actually is one of the most open when it comes to the amount of storage that they give us in the different areas. When you look at uh, your main inventory, your saddlebag, your retainers, the armory chest, the armoire, now the glamour dresser, all these different places we have to store, you know, thousands of items. But yeah, it turns out struggling with that stuff is not fun. No. So just give us the thing. Yes, just open it up, Yoshi. Come on. I mean, it's just a switch, right? Kidding. Anything's better than, hey, welcome to WoW. Here's a bunch of bags. Or yeah. anything's better than, oh, you have a Moogle house. Shove bookshelves in the corner so you can hold stuff. Yeah, or the gobby bag. Like, costs. oh, you wanted to decorate this place? That's not terribly space efficient. My house looked like a crappy as-is Ikea corner. Like, it was just all of the bookshelves and, yeah. like, and then, random shit in the corner. And then you had to get the, the certain bed to add more space, too. Yep, I had that bed. Yep. By the way, for anybody uh, that didn't play Final Fantasy XI, that is what we are currently bitching about. Yep, and don't forget... I want to say, go ahead, sorry. Was it Simple Bed, Mahogany Bed, and then Noble's Bed, I want to say? Noble's Bed was, I think, the one you wanted. I had the noble well, bed. You had to do the quest before because you had to do each yeah. one so the Moogle, your Moogle could get more and more shit for his family when yep. he goes on vacation. Yep. Yeah. There was Oh that. god, I was in too deep. Yep. And then you you yes. would put your uh, um mannequins in there f for double storage basically because you could put uh, armor on them and they would give more storage space. 
Like, I was proud that I made something passable looking that still gave a decent amount of space. And you had, oh god, especially if you wanted a particular mod enhancement. Oh god. Yeah, yeah I had no. Oh god. Started with those, please. I had mega moglification cooking, and I bled for that. No, it's, I think it's over. Eleven is I'm dead. Not, I think only figuratively, <laughs> but I'm not actually sure. I can't remember. Anyway, I don't miss that. Sorry, sidetrack. Moving on. Where were That's we? kind of what we do, Klaus. <laughs> um, but no, if we were to maybe condense the jobs, I mean, I'm not saying into just one, but you know, we're kind of getting in that route. We've turned um eight different quest class or class quests into five now coming in shadowbringers yeah it's uh i was oh, wait actually it'd be, it'd be 11 into five because there's three different crafting ones and the two gatherers oh the got it yeah just on that side yeah i yeah yeah you're right for some reason i was thinking about the uh the combat ones yeah the well. combat ones is, is four i think correct and then, but well, we have five on the crafter and gatherer side, three for the crafters, two for the gatherers. So, I mean, realistically, that's just showing that, yeah, I mean, they're not that different. So maybe in, in 6.0, we're going to see um, the armor smith and the blacksmith go to smith. Uh, I mean, if you try to actually collapse them down, then it starts being messy about someone who's leveled one, someone who's leveled the other, someone who's leveled both. Like, you have I would like to potential to be inequitable to one person or another. Yeah, I know. I they, would... they have to think about that balance as well. But, I mean, it's something that they maybe are thinking about. Okay, mm. so here's one for you. I've done a thousand dungeons as a tank, and then I go buy a scholar. I now have a scholar and a summoner at 60. I have a tank at 60, and I've done a thousand dungeons, and I'm now a mentor. I didn't level either of those classes, but I bought one jump potion. Now, if we start having that issue with something that somebody's earned, that's going to piss people off real. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, they uh, they did they are changing uh, mentor certification, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely a thing too. Are you guys having yeah. issues with Discord also, right now? Also, like you described. Oh yeah, I'm having a lot of little fishbowl issues with myself and you two. All right, give me just. Two seconds. Oh, it just popped back up to green now for me. So Huzzah. maybe it's better. Yay! If it gets worse again, I may change servers real quick. It shouldn't cause an issue, but just getting you guys a heads up. Um, but yeah, so basically with what they announced, there's going to be, of course, new actions and trades coming in. But I'm wondering, are they going to condense some of the older ones? Now, this is for I would like. And I gathers. would like that. Yeah, they mentioned for the crafter that all like the brand of element ones are going to be consolidated into a single one. They're I'm, removing those elemental aspects. Yeah, I'm very happy about that. Those don't freaking do much anyway. I'm so not worried I'm assuming about they're do the same thing for the ones for the, the crystal enhancements. For yeah, if you those. do, yeah, if you do name of element and then of uh, brand of element, you get some pretty good progress boosts out of that. If you are yeah. doing it for that specific element, but there are so uh, no. few. Um, uh, with uh, with the name of element one, it doesn't actually matter what uh, aspected element it is. Brand of element on its own uh, does that, but hang on. I, I don't watch. think I've used that one I don't that either. much. I, I think I, I just I do use, it the other way. I use like the you get, ones. You, uh, like the initial one, I want to say, is something like a 300% progress. Shit. All right. Time to read some tool tips and figure that out. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the thing is, there's just so many things, and my hot bar is just absolutely packed. I mean, because yeah. Crafter and oh. Gatherer, those are the ones that I actually use macros for. Yeah, I don't macro because I actually do enjoy like the puzzle aspects of it, but I usually have to open up the class action list to have access to a couple of them whenever I'm crafting high-level stuff. I do the same thing, but I do have a macro for, like, I need to make a whole bunch of level 67 collectibles. No, I'm just going to macro that. Yeah, But if I'm it's like, hey, that. you need to make this level 70 HQ piece of gear, okay, no, I want to do this bit by bit and make sure I get it. Yeah, if it's yeah. high-level stuff like that, you know, four-star, um, where you're, you want the HQ because it's going to become a best-in-slot piece, then yes, I'm going to individually do that. I'm going to follow a rotation. Um, but when it comes okay. to making my collectibles for my monthly turn-ins, or my weekly turn-ins, then yeah, those are getting macroed. Yeah, uh, it does say, for the next five steps, brand of element efficiency is increased. Increase determined by current progress. So yeah, it like that tooltip does not actually show like the insane uh, progress efficiency boosts you get, and it's fifteen CP to use that, and then six CP per brand of uh, action. So it's a fairly cheap way to get a lot of progress. Good to know. Today so, on how to craft with Sarah. Woo! Um, every once in a while I do the whistle while you work because it's just fun. Well, Here's one bit that I was very happy to hear. You know, we didn't, they're not giving us a tackle box for Fisher, but they're giving us the next <sighs> best thing. They're giving us a new type of tackle for 2.0 fish called boilies, which is basically taking and mashing up all of the low level tackle and uh, um, lures and all that. And you can get rid of all that now. Yeah. So I never did get some of those big fish. Maybe I'll go back for it. Yeah, with your boilies. Oh yeah. Well, those might still require special bait, but we'll see. They did mention that they want to expand it to Heavensward and Stormblood areas as well. Yeah, eventually. Six and seven point confirmed. Woo! I still have the optional level fifty fishing quest that you have to get the Titanic sawfish to get the first half of it, and then there's oh, the. Do you know one. how many goddamn woohoos I mooched? <laughs> I mooched so many wahoos. <laughs> And I got it. And mooching the wall either surfing or drug slang. I'm not sure which. You mooch that wall. Mooching the wall. Oh my god. But yeah, I have the Living Legends quest up and I'm just like, I'm never doing this. Everybody who watches (laughs) me stream, they know it's there for me too, guys. So don't feel bad. Oh, I hide it. I hide my shame. Um, But basically, they're just trying to increase convenience overall. Because the other thing they mentioned is... Master books four, five, and six, as well as yeah. folklore books, are going to be easier to get. Mm-hmm. Cool, I have them all already. I know, but I mean, like I said, it's I mean, not for those who keep up to the the quote unquote end game of I mean, crafting and gathering. Plus, I feel like you're burying like the lead, like the really big piece here, where they're making some fairly extensive changes to the crafting UI. We're getting there. I'm just talking like, about... Like, this is the good part! Why are you dragging <laughs> me Because I'm trying to see how much I can drag you on. So a lot! We're, it's a lot, Klaus! So we're, we're going to uh, just hold on that in a little bit. I'm going to show you guys some more pretty pictures. <laughs> oh my god, Klaus. I'm going to set you on fire. So, I'm going to set you on fire so much! So now we get to see some of the new gear for uh, your uh, gatherers. we got Fisher, Botanist, and Miner up there. Sarah, you said you liked the Fisher one, didn't you? Yeah. I'm actually kind of feeling that. The botanist one just isn't quite working for me. 
But it's, I mean, it's got not a pretty bad, straw but... hat. Yeah. I don't know. I like the one strap uh, overalls. It's a hardcore thing going on. Yeah, I figured you would have been. That would have been your your jam, Sarah. Nah. Not it's so not much. Bad, but. And then we've got our blacksmith, armorer, and carpenter. <coughs> you know, they're they they look like they fit for the job. I mean, they're they're not spectacular, but they're not bad. I mean, I've always liked a simpler aesthetic on a lot of things. So really, I'm kind of annoyed about the various crafting outfits that they're just restricted to that one. I would love to wear some of these outfits on a lot of different yeah. things. Like, I, I'm sure you would love that weaver one. Uh, the, I mean, the weaver's fancy, but the goldsmith is kind of more my speed. And, you know, like, it's still, it's still elegant, but it's like a little more of an understated elegance. Practical elegance. It's kind of like a towny look. I'm I feel like sure the goldsmith. You mean that in a good way. Yeah, no, I do. I feel like the goldsmith is gonna throw like a newspaper at me and start singing with his. <laughs> you going with the newsy? I am okay with this. <laughs> My favorite though, that alchemist. Holy shit! That alchemist coat yes. is amazing. That, that alchemist name. coat is so good. It's a lab coat. Yeah. It's a straight up lab well, coat. It looks amazing. It's a it's a steampunk lab coat because it's got the leather uh, part in the front, and then it's got the the big old coat. I mean, I have some news. Have... It's Square Enix design. There's going to be a lot of belts. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you kind of need something for when you accidentally splash acid on yourself, which yeah. I imagine happens to alchemists all the time. No way. Alchemists require better PPE. This is our solution. Seriously. Like, how did OSA ever allow any of this? I mean, I'm a culinarian, and, like, I'm cooking in a town that was won in a boat race, so, like, you know, everything, nothing is safe. Mmm. Hashtag Chernobyl. Oh, God. Oh, how did OSA allow this? Well, they weren't there. That's your why. answer. All right, Sarah. Enough, enough for tormenting you. All right. That UI so, change. Oh, so much more readable for a lot of stuff. Do you have a picture of that one? No, I didn't grab that one. Nope. Let me no worries. Maybe I can find it. Like, they're putting a lot more of that information uh, readily visible. The durability is going to include a visual guide in addition to the number. Uh, let's see. A lot along with the condition, that's also going to be a lot more visible. Uh, the Whether it's in normal, good, excellent, poor. Uh, they'll have the collectible synthesis status very clearly displayed in the window. I cannot tell you how many times I've had, okay, I need this for collectible synthing, and I turned it off, off, had turned it off without noticing, or it had been turned on for something where it's like, oh, hey, I want to make a batch of food and high quality it. Oh, hey, I made a single collectible thing. Well, great. I guess I can wait a week and see if Rowena wants it. I have done the <laughs> uh, exact same thing, and it's very frustrating. Let's see. Uh, I'm finding uh, Give me just a second here. Yeah, uh, a lot more visible. Instead of having the buffs be in the upper line, where it just has the icon for them, it actually shows the name of every single one, uh, along with its current status, how many turns it has left, and uh, two lines showing, at assuming 100% efficiency, the amount of progress and quality gains you'll get from various actions. 
So no more of the, oh, hey, I think I've got enough for this. Oh, no, I forgot. I was on this recipe where the progress gives me about 50 less than it, I, than for the other stuff I've been working. And I didn't find that out until I was at the final progress building step. Oops. Yeah. So for people who are uh, wanting to take advantage of a little more of that puzzle-type nature of it, plan out stuff, or just make sure that they've got enough left to cover things, you have a lot more of that information available now. All right, and I think I found one here. Give me just a second to link it up. Put it in a good spot. And there. So that kind of gives a little bit of an idea of what you were talking about there. Yeah, so much nicer. Like, the current interface, it's very spare. It's kind of hard to tell what's going to be happening with things, what you're going to get out of it. Not at all user-friendly. And what's nice is a lot of the information can either be uh, shown or hidden if you don't need it. There's an area down here towards the bottom where you can actually move some of the information up. Now, I wonder, does, does that mean they're taking that information away from the bottom of the screen? Because that's where I kind of currently watch that for that information. Like how many stacks uh, I have, how much uh, um, steady hand I have left, how many... Uh, uh, what do you mean by the bottom of the screen? Uh, of the and UI screen. Oh. Or, 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 no, when I say the bottom of the screen, in my buff bar. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea if they'd be taking it out of the buff bar. Or they're just adding another location to view it. Yeah, no idea to be quite honest. Because I mean, if they took, if they pulled it from down here and and moved it explicitly into the crafting window, I actually would not be happy with that. Per that's just my personal opinion. But what's nice is you've got the listing here. You know, if you know you're going to have so much efficiency increase with if you uh, run whatever skill. Um, it yep. gives you a b easier way to see what your durability currently is, um, and uh, what what your condition is. It's they've improved all of that. It is much nicer. I am very pleased with it. Yep, it's 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 nice. All right, we can get rid of that now. All right. Anything else you guys want to discuss regarding the uh, the crafter and gatherer adjustments? I'm good. Um, mm. The last I think that'll about do me for the moment. Last bit they did kind of talk about. They did a little bit of a uh, um, a troll on us. Um, they did not specifically say, but because they were kind of hemming and hawing about it, there's going to be another uh, tier of materia coming out. Uh, they didn't say. They didn't confirm uh, it, but they, they wouldn't have been bringing it up if they weren't going to do it. They even said that specifically. Uh, or at least there's going to be some kind of change to it. Yeah. I If it's just adding another tier of material, I'm kind of... I don't know. I feel like there's potential issues with that, but I could see making some kind of change to it. Maybe they'll just boost the materia so it's, it's higher um, potency. Because realistically, tier one and two materia are worthless. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. If you add another tier, you're just going to make previous tiers, uh, like more tiers, worthless. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing as with other ones. Like, oh, hey, you have these actions, or you have these 
various things that it's unclear why we still have them since they're no longer really meaningful, but they're kind of clogging up the system. Yeah, so it either means we're getting a tier seven materia or there's going to be a, ma a massive change to the materia system. I'm but, down for both, but I kind of hope it's a change to the system. Yeah, like either an improvement in the efficiency of how it's melded or um, an improvement as to how much uh, stat gains are given. I mean, we already know we're losing all main stat materia. Right. For battle classes, but, you know, what are Which we getting for crafters and gatherers? Which, I mean, I, I guess I'm okay with them reducing the, the number of materia types overall. Simplification is best. So, yeah. And then uh, we showed off all the gear sets. And then they started talking about system updates. First thing they talked about, the new tombstones. And... Wow, were those was that an interesting name for our weekly tombstone? All right, who else remembers old Sierra games? Oh, I I played a lot of them. I didn't play this particular one, but I played a lot of Sierra games. Yeah, uh, I've seen some running discussions where it's kind of a question of whether people remember the name from Sierra games or whether they remember it from uh, Toho. But yeah, our two new tombstones are. Um... How did you pronounce the first one? Uh, go, uh, Goetics? Goetia. Uh, Gosha, or... Gosha. Uh, I know. So the uh, book itself is, I believe, the Gosha. I think. Well, they, they were called the but, Tombstones of Goetia then, and then... Uh, Gosha is the book. I think Goetics is the... This is a thing with grammar. It's a grammar thing. Okay. So what are they... So is it going to be Phantasmagoretics? No, fantastic. Oh, God. It's like poetry versus poetics. You had no problem with tombstones of poetics. No. There we go, then. I have no idea what point I'm trying to make here. Shall I keep going? But yeah, phantasmagoria. That is a mouthful. So you got your, your phantatomes. Fanta fever. Yep, we have Gota and Phantasmagoria. I'm looking forward to the stupid nickname that we end up calling it in about Wanta three weeks. Fanta, be... Fanta fever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the stupid nickname has already been landed on, and it's Fanta. I, I, I want. I I'm want super the down ones. for that. I want. The I was gonna ones. say I want the icon to be orange, really bad. <laughs> um, it's dumb, but I want it. Uh huh. Or purple. I mean. I feel like that phrase applies to a lot of things. It's dumb, but I want it. Yeah. Like White Crafter and Gatherer scripts. We want all those too. That's going to be the new yeah. top tier ones. And uh, red ones are going to be going away, and yellow are going to be the everyday ones. Yeah. I yeah. think it's going to be moving to the same thing where you have one type for older stuff and then one type for the current content. Yep. And then you have the ability to buy the, like, was it 100 for a token of, like, because you still buy the, like, blue crafter script token or something like that. I have no idea what they're for, but they exist. Uh, it's for buying stuff that you used to buy with uh, some of the blue script. So you still have a way to get it. For what? Glamour? Uh, people who are leveling. People who aren't. Uh, at, uh, uh, so people who are leveling maybe a little bit. The uh, some, some of the materials, like uh, the material, 
Like, oh, for but for the script tokens, that would be for the gear. Yeah, and are the books. Yeah, which I mean, some of that equipment does actually look really good. I like the way it looks. Glamour is true endgame. Like I'd probably inter like talking about the botanist outfits earlier. My personal preference, I'd probably stick to the Heavensward botanist. I like that kind of free of. Uh, that, like, really relaxed shirt look. Like, the style that uh, Chloe wears. Mm -hmm. That's a good look. I think mine are still glamoured with... My retainers are glamoured with that. Mm-hmm. Um, then they also said... Uh, this one was actually a really nice one. Uh, we're getting 400 uh, um, items in our uh, glamour dresser. And we're getting five new plates. Still Thank never God. enough, but it's an improvement. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for 20 plates, but I can make 15 work. But the fact that we're d getting double the space in the Glamour Dresser is huge. I just put my 200th item in there earlier this week. I mean, it's still never enough, but it's an improvement. True. Um, then they went and showed off a uh, new mount that they said is going to be difficult to get. Um, the Iron Frog. It's like a wind-up frog, kind yes, of. It, it, it has a Cardian base. Yeah, Cardians oh, were definitely the first thing I was thinking of there. And to fly, it has a jetpack. Like, I am a little more annoyed than I thought I would be by the fact that apparently every mount will be flying now. Why? Did I we... have a lot of questions about that. My immersion, Klaus... We're going now. We're 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 going to a, a totally different world in a different uh, um, dimension, where we're gonna make them pretty jewelry and uh, dish and delicious dishes, by which we will gain ultimate power. I get it, and yet somehow this is a bridge too far. And yet, yet flying mounts is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing. Shut up. I, now <laughs> I'll face. say this. I'll say this. When's the last time we used a mount that couldn't fly? I mean, that's fair. It's been a long time. Like, how many people were using the ponies from Realm Reborn? Literally no one. Then all of a sudden they can fly. And I'm seeing, like, the Titan and the Shiva ponies all over the place. Yeah. All of a sudden. Very cool. I'm glad that people are using them again. It doesn't make any damn sense to have the Ifrit pony underwater. But, you know, we have it. Like, that's a thing that we can just do now. I kind of want to know how my Gubu is going to fly. Very carefully. You're willing it into flight. I feel like I shouldn't have that much power. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you have killed Primal. Yeah, you and who have that powers. Who thought that was a good idea? Yoshi P. Yes. I mean, it's like the whole thing in Pokemon where it's like, Hi, I'm an 11-year-old child. I have captured one of the gods who created this universe. I use it for dogfighting. Use it for dogfighting. Now you can drop out of the third grade. By the way, is your mother single? Here's an empty Pokedex. Go catch every Pokemon in the world. Who thought this was a good idea? Uh, the guy Game trying freak. to on your mom. Huh. Dude, have you seen Kukui? That dude's shirtless the entire game and has a key to your house as soon as you move it. Just saying. I mean, I guess when you want to get your Game Freak on, you want to get your Game Freak on. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> 
All right, moving on before we go any Oh no, we're done. Please move on. They also showed um, the new mount for the uh, the Gunbreaker, which is a saber tooth, and it also flies. Of course. Um, sure. Just wave your hands and say ether, and you're probably fine. That's yes. literally my uh, my roommate Bannon actually asked. He's like, "So how does the Ifrit pony work underwater?" And I was like, "Magic." Like that's literally just the answer for Ether. everything in this game. Magic. Ether. Allegans. Yeah, Allegans. <laughs> uh, the next bit that they showed off is furnishing preview. Now, oh my god, am I excited for this? We can now see what a furnishing looks like in our house before we go buy it. And Thank because god. it's not clear from the description, it's not that oh hey you have, uh you have. Uh, furnishing and you can preview what it's going to look like it's here is a catalog of all, most of the furnishings available mm -hmm. go ahead scroll through it see what this would look like you can't actually place it but you can get a visual approximation yep you can put it in different areas in your house you can move it around you can spin it you can dye it and and That's see what crazy. it looks like it's it's amazing and i am so happy that they put that in the game um, so. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times it's been like, okay, go check the housing website. Okay, this one's inexpensive. Make a test version and see how it looks. Yep. So, yeah, that is actually really exciting. Yeah, because yeah, it sucked. You had to buy the item, and once you placed it in your house, it was no longer resellable, and then you're kinda, you, know, you didn't like it, and yeah, it, was a, it was a whole oh, thing. Oh, this doesn't work. It's not dyeable, or the dye doesn't color the part of it that I wanted to, and right. now I'm out 800000 Exactly. exactly. Also, super exciting from the preview uh, scene they're showing it, they're going to have a sandwich basket as a furnishing. And I think that's the thing fruit, we should really be focusing and on. And a fruit plate. Mmm. So they're, they're, they're calling for a well-balanced meal. Exactly. They also then showed off a few really cool items um, glamour-wise. So we are going to show those. Like... This this item that they're showing on the screen right now is uh, actually an item that was won one of the uh, um, created an item contests. It's a fallen log that they've turned into a bench for uh, the outside of the house. And yeah, definitely kind of there's support for uh, many more types of aesthetics. Yep. It's cool because the, the, the preview actually works inside and outside the house. So preview lots of different things. This particular screenshot screamed Sayer to me for some reason. Because mm. there's a, a poor guy sitting at his desk with his um, cash register, his glasses sitting on the table, and he's rubbing his eyes like, oh my god, what have I done? And but I he immediately thought nice of you, Sarah. Sandwiches. Yeah, you can bring him some, But I immediately thought of you, Sarah. <sighs> it's not that I regret most of my decisions all the time. I just kind of regret all of my decisions most of the time. <laughs> and, they, and they made the joke about how you can uh, do a dark role-play story about a failing businessman. That's why I thought of you. Not that you're a failing businessman, but I don't know. It just... You can say it, Klaus. You can say it. <laughs> no, you're a librarian. You're not a failing businessman. Only because my patent for peanut butter and jellyfish sandwiches had some... Uh, unpredictable and catastrophic consequences. And by unpredictable, I mean I was warned repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Tal's new glamour. Oh, I absolutely. 
you know. You I do. look forward to seeing the Rogadin who somehow manages to mix that with a Leopard Prince speed. Oh, oh, you mean Brock? Yeah, that seems yeah. likely. <laughs> I brought seriously Rogadin. though. I I saw the frog and I was like, <gasps> how long is it going to take before somebody cosplays Glenn from Chrono Trigger? Probably like five minutes or something along those lines. Yeah. Is there more? And then they showed off. These uh, also, two. the other thing I. The other thing I want to point out is the fabulous gift that Yoshi P has given to meme makers with these scenes where he's just holding up this very easily blankable sheet of paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was on purpose. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, because people actually blanked it out and they created a meme template. Yep. It did not take long. <laughs> but no. Hello, Internet. These two minions I need in my life. I do too. That looks so cool. They are just adorbs. How do we get them? Please don't say MGP. Uh, probably not. Um, they're probably going to be something you have to work hard for. Or they're crafted. I think they're crafted. I'm okay with crafted. But you have to craft it from something that drops from uh, Omega 12S or something. Dude, Omega 12S is going to be a cakewalk in a couple of We'll see. I mean... Maybe, we'll maybe like a zucchini cake where it's not actually that great, but it's still there. Hey, zucchini cake's not bad. I like carrot cake more. People in your vegetables and your cake, I don't understand. Like, good vegetables are actually really nice. Okay. Um, they also announced the Centurio seals are going up to 4K instead of 1K, so thank yes. <laughs> Took long enough for that. Um... The, the hunt is getting some other uh, boosts as well. Uh, your weekly B rank, you're going to be able to know, you know, where it is in proximity to you. They're going to put up a status that says you're it's to the north, or if somebody else kills, it'll say it has disappeared. Oh, neat. And yeah, given how often that would involve like going back and forth all over the zone, it was mostly becoming an annoyance. Yeah, I mean, granted, the uh, the newer ones from Heavensward and Stormblood were much easier to find because they were only available on half the map, and there was just a, a select few spots you spawned. Those ARR hunt B ranks are a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they Dark are... Helmet is still the cutest. Yes, I will agree, but he's a bitch to find because he, he sometimes goes down on the island. Um, they also put in a uh, message for when an S rank spawns, anybody in the zone will uh, get a message. You sense the presence of a powerful mark. Plus an added nice. surprise. So there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a lot of other things going on. Um, and for those of you guys, are, like Ben in the chat saying he has a difficult time uh, finding them, I use places like uh, um, Cable Monkey's hunt maps. Even though he's not going to be doing them for uh, Shadowbringers, there will be a group um, that will be doing them. So. There, the community is providing ways to locate that stuff. So, um, I doubt that that's going to spell the end of hunt trains. Um, mainly because those focus on the A ranks, and then they they go to the S ranks when the um the windows are open or somebody reports one coming up. So, crazy stuff. But I think hunt trains are going to be a, a thing that's going to stick around for a while. Yeah, I don't see that changing anytime soon. For good or for bad. Um, retainer, retainer window update. Um, they're getting a sort function. Thank so God. We can uh, rearrange them if we want. 
Um, materia melds can be requested in succession. We mentioned this already. All mounts can fly. Um, and then the mentor changes. Oh, yay! Uh, one I wanted to throw, just because we glossed over it, uh, they're going to be changing, adding an achievement watch list, so oh, yeah, you can actually right. track it, uh, progress for achievements. For a lot of the folks I know who are achievement hunters, that's something they're really looking for. Yeah, up, up to 30 achievements can be tracked. That'll and, be really nice. And you, they also did achievement filters where you can uh, uh, filter out unfinished ones, completed ones that have an item reward, and those that have a title reward. Um, yeah. So mentor changes. I'm stoked. Um, you're gonna if you're currently a mentor, you're gonna maintain your mentor status through 5.1, I believe it is. Um, but in 5.2, it's gonna fully change to a new system where you will have to have a tank, healer, and DPS uh, to 80 and complete the quests, and then do a uh, thousand dungeons and 300 comms. At least that, now that that does mean that even if you bust out a jump potion, you still have to go and complete all those various quests. Yes. Yep. So that means, that, like I said, you have to have the do the the tank quests, the healer quests, and one of the two DPS quests. It can be either the the heal, the caster one or the physical um, DPS one. So still three jobs at eighty. And then for the tr for uh, the trade, it's uh, a level eighty in any crafter and a level eighty in any gatherer. And then a hundred collectibles crafted, three hundred gathered. So, just yeah, to get to 80. it's basically all the crafters and gatherers are gonna get their disciple of war or magic up to eighty. Then immediately jump on this because they're gonna have access to all the zones. And try to keep their mentorship if they care. Um, that being said, even if you lose it in 5.1, if you complete it, you can just get it back. I mean, like I said, you're not going to really lose it in in 5.1. That's no. the transition patch. If you don't do it by 5.2, you will lose it. Oh, good point. Yeah. I think it's more of a, hey, yes, you... Like, people may have qualified for mentor status under this earlier version, but we want to make sure that you are actually keeping your knowledge and skills fresh and still actually being a uh, mentor. Yep. And the nice thing about it is, is there, nobody's going to be able to use a jump potion to get to 80. Hey, about that whole server switch, because we're having uh, Discord issues. Doing it again? Nobody's going to be able to... Yeah. That was it. That was all we got. Oh. Nobody is going to be able to uh, um, jump potion to 80. No, thank God. I think 60 is a perfectly serviceable spot to jump to. All right, let me look at the server settings here real quick. Where is the... Because even if you buy the potion that lets you skip through Heaven's Word, it still means that you're playing through all of Stormblood and all of Shadowbringers. That's going to give you enough of a primer on how the world works and how stuff works in this game that you're not going to jump into a party and be completely lost, but be at max level. All right. Two seconds, guys. All right. Can you hear me again? Yep. All yep. Right. I switched over to the West server, so maybe that'll be a little bit better for you guys. Possibly. All right. Seeming good so far. 
And then the next thing they showed off was the new raid. Or at least a little bit of it. Mm, Eden. Let's turn that back yep. on. And... Yeah. Amazing. Beautiful. And they, I mean, they specifically said that Quite. they can't show very much because they don't want to spoil the main scenario. Hey, what's that thing? There's a thing out there. What is that thing? That thing looks somewhat familiar in shape. Do we eat it? Sure. Do we poke it? You poke it. If it doesn't move, then you eat it. That's how this works. But does it taste good? I don't see how that's relevant. <laughs> Hit it with a fire three first. It'll taste better. Mm. So you're going to cook it. What if it's rock? I mean... Then you're going to burn some, your mouth with yeah. hot rock. Some rocks are edible, like salt. But you grind the rock. You make it... I mean... Tiny. I guess this game is rated well, M. Silver, you don't eat God the rock it. in rock soup. And Sarah, you're a bad... <laughs> I mean, I know this is where you say that I should feel bad, but let's be honest, I don't. That's why no. I didn't say it. Because I knew better. Sarah, you have feelings? Yes. Alright, that's new. Alright. <laughs> they but get in the way sometimes. Basically, really that's what they... <laughs> this is basically what they said. Well, not in so many words, but uh, they didn't say anything about Eden. Because they can't tell us anything about Eden. But yeah. they showed off this that area. It was barren. There's a thing over there. And we think that thing has to do with what we do. But that's all they really that, tell us. That, uh, that thing off in the distance is visually similar to the uh, Eden Guardian Force in Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, so we were fighting our imagination. We're fighting purple, mon purple uh, monkey dishwashers. Oh my god, Klaus, your imagination sucks. Wait, no, it was Purple Monkey Dishwater, wasn't it? No, it was Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Like, get your Simpsons quotes right, at least. Oh. Whichever. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's very much uh, up in the air as to what Eden actually is, but there is a... Uh, they showed off... An, in the trailer, there was a, a bit when we were looking at the world from high above, and we saw the Eden symbol flash across it real quick there was also a bit where there's an Eden poster on the wall I don't know if you guys caught that bit of it I did not mm -mm. I saw it in one of it was in one of the buildings we were with the scions I believe and there was a poster on the wall and it looked very similar to that symbol so but I'm looking forward to it um, we're gonna get Eden not right away but I believe it's we get well we get normal two weeks and then we'll get um yeah, they posted a calendar. Yep, the calendar, that's right. Uh, Eden normal, oh, so July, June 28th is the start of early access. Yep. July 2nd is the start of official service. And then two weeks later, Eden normal opens. June, July 16th, yep. Yep, two yeah. weeks after that is when Eden Savage opens, along with the tombstones of Phantasmagoria. And a new ma uh, map location, uh, treasure map area. We're going to be presumably finding treasure maps on the first, so it's not like they can be, oh, hey, let's just pop back over to Uznair for that. Uh, we go to the Dungeons of Liegia. I'm calling it. 
I don't that know if seems that's, reasonable. It, it, Still, new maps. New I'm maps. down. Yep. Rip gazelle skin. I still have some dragon skins. I want to get some of those Orchestrian No, I know. That's, they're, none of these are ever going to really die, per se, but I'm yeah. hoping they eventually um, I mean, I the can, level sync. I can tell you that dragon skins can be completed with about three people. You mean the dungeon portion of it? Yeah. I suppose, because, yeah, they sync it to level 60, and then you get, like, you can be up to 270, can't you? Yep. Like... From experience, I can tell you that two people with some difficulty, three without too much trouble. Well, we got three of us here. Ooh. All right. Screw Let's this do. podcast. Let's do this. All right. See you guys. Just kidding. All right. Have a good night. And be sure to see me at Phoenix Talk. And he's gone. <sighs> okay. Um, I'm going to skip over some of this other stuff that they talked about because we've been talking for quite a while. And Sarah yeah. still has... I know, do you want to talk about the lore? Because we've been going at this for almost two hours. I mean, I kind of do, because the next opportunity is going to be when stuff starts. And I mean, I can try to shorten some of it, but... All right, that's... Partly because of... Yeah, partly because of that trailer, there is a topic that's been on everyone's lips, frequently with a lot of misinformation. Or saying, so, fuh. <sighs> so, one last time before Shadowbringers... It's time for our remedial review session. Notebooks out, class, because today we are going to be talking about the properties of primals. What are they? What aren't they? What do we actually know? And what is just an unsubstantiated pile of guesswork and hype? Pay attention, this is going to be on the final exam. I'd also like to give a special thanks to Anonymous for extensive discussion regarding this topic. We have been trying to fight against a lot of the flood of confusion and misinformation on this. So hopefully this is another dent in the, quite frankly, insane claims I have seen going around. So let's start first by getting our terminology straight here, because this is one where there's a lot of terms used often interchangeably. Uh, the broadest, most general term for these types of entities is a deiform. Uh, uh, kind of a portmanteau uh, of form and deity. And any entity that's created from a mixture of ether and desire is a deiform. If you remember nothing else, remember that. Ether plus desire equals deiform. Now, that desire frequently involves faith in a deity of some kind. There's been lots of different trends in these belief systems over the millennia, and that seems to result in different trends in the summoned entities. In the third astral era, the trend was towards a lot of those tutelary deities, gods that are champions of their civilizations, protecting a, a society against enemies. Think of something like Athena for the city of Athens, or Marduk for the city of Babylon. Uh, now, given what was going on at the time, these gods were known as the Warring Gods, the ones that were fighting against the Allegan Empire. Allegans used the term icon, which is a word that literally means a religious image. Uh, one thing I like about this term is it means that the Allegans are actually kind of throwing shade a bit. They're referring to these deiforms as images. It's, they're saying this isn't an actual god. It's just a picture of one. It's just a hologram of one. It's just an image. It's not the real thing. 
Uh, so little bit of some uh, propagandic type things in uh, the showing the elegant position in how they refer to it. Uh, and the warring triad, those were also icons. They just happened to be among the three most powerful that were summoned during that time. And so were captured by uh, Allag and used to power the centrifugal crystal engine of Azaslaw. Now, compare that to the sixth astral era, where we've got summoning coming back, but this time, that summoning is mostly being done by beast tribes. And the deiforms that they're summoning are a reflection of their beliefs and are based around primordial elemental energies that created the world as we know it. So because these deiforms are shaped around beliefs involving primal energies, they came to be known as primals. Uh... Elder Primal is another one that gets banded around a bit, and that just refers to any deiform that predates about the start of the sixth astral era is what they've been going with. Uh, it's not a thing about whether it's currently worshipped, although many of these deiforms have outlived the peoples and cultures that worship them. Uh, the only qualification for what makes something Elder Primal is time. So, like, Odin. Odin is uh, one of the earliest examples we learn about of an Elder Primal, correct. Uh, another one of those ones that was called during the Third Astral Era uh, does seem to have long outlived the society that summoned it, but it, uh, it's referred to as an Elder Primal merely because of its age. Yeah, I mean, even Bahamut has is been called an Elder Primal. Yep, even though uh, the Allegans would have referred to him as an icon, we don't worry about saying Elder Primal versus Elder Icon. They're just all called Elder Primals. Uh, and I also want to point out that this is uh, something where a lot of these definitions have been kind of treated more as suggestions and guidelines by many groups. Uh, Garlemald refers to all deiforms as icons because they see themselves as an extension of the Allegans. The Allegans call the deiforms of their times icons. And so Garlemald just calls all of them icons without regards to any of that other nomenclature stuff. Uh, Eorzea isn't much better. People call pretty much every day a form that shows up a primal. Uh, Unukohai, the white-robed boy who assists us in the Warring Triad quest, he refers to Sephiroth as both a primal and an icon in his journal. So we do have formal definitions for these terms, but they do, do still get tossed around with wild abandon. And it's probably best not to get too hung up uh, in any one definition. It also uh, probably depends on who's writing that particular scenario. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> when I was talking with Moose, he came up with an analogy that I really liked. The difference between an icon and a primal, it's more like the difference between an oak tree and a maple tree, rather than the difference between a tree and a PlayStation 4. Like, That's they're both pretty... It's actually a really good description. Yeah. Like, they're both trees. They have more in common than not. There are some minor differences. But for most people who aren't some kind of botanist or or something like that, it's probably fine to just be like, okay, it's a tree. You don't make oak syrup, though. Hmm. No. I think in Stardew Valley you get oak resin. You definitely cannot eat that. So that's not Anyways. Thing. So that's why we want maple trees. And wait, we don't want any of these. I want maple trees because I want maple syrup, damn it. So, <laughs> now, uh, anyways, 
So then we've got this idea of, okay, deiform is ether plus desire. Returning back to that initial most important uh, element. So a summoned entity's mind and will are shaped by the desires and the beliefs of the one who summoned it. Now, in most of the cases we've seen, that desire takes the form of faith. The desire is a supplication being made to a god, and so the ether is shaped by the belief in that god. Now, trying to trick this out by saying something like, oh, well, I believe in this god who is super awesome and will do whatever I want, doesn't really seem to work. How many people truly and sincerely believe in such a god, instead of just thinking, oh, this would be really convenient for this plan I'm trying to enact? It does seem that you need sincere belief to get that strength of desire that actually allows a deiform to cre uh, be created. The summoner's mental state does also seem to have an effect on what's summoned. Uh, the dragons of Mericidia in the third astral era, they knew Bahamut. They had uh, memories of had interact with him directly. But the one that they brought forth was a crude mockery of the actual Worm King, because their hearts were so clouded with anger, sadness, and a desire for vengeance, that the deiform they created was shaped with by and infused with those desires. Uh, we can also take a look at the version of Titan that we encountered that was summoned by Gabu. Has a very different mindset uh, during that battle. Is crying out for its, uh, uh, for its parents, much like Gabu was. And so again, I want to emphasize that this is not, uh, even that mental state, it's less of something that can be consciously controlled. Uh, Though Summer's expectation of the Deiform's thoughts and desires does have an effect. Like the Ixal, as much as they might like a benevolent, kind Garuda, their expectation and belief of Garuda is that she is this shrieking harpy, that she's very violent. And so that expectation is what seems to shape Garuda's existence, and that can be uh, colored a little bit by the uh, Summoner's mental state, but you can't just change those sincere beliefs and expectations as well. And this kind of so, harkens on, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago, there was an interview with uh, Koji about primals, and he had talked about the fact that if somebody wanted to, they could theoretically conjure up an um, an ifrit that like uh, warms your marshmallows, your your hot yeah. cocoa and stuff like that. Right, like kind of a hey, taking fire not as this destructive force, but as this like civilizing force. This thing that brings warmth that you can use for cooking, that you can uh, use for keeping away the darkness. Like this kind of fire as the light of civilization. You it could tool, do basically. Yeah, you could create an ifrit that was more based around that kind of role, but this would involve say. Something along the lines of, like, kidnapping a bunch of Amalja, breeding them over centuries, uh, inculcating their children and their children's children, and so many more with these beliefs. Like, or maybe even not doing it purposely, just having this uh, separate offshoot tribe develop with their own sincerely held beliefs. Like, that belief, that of... of really fundamental faith is important. It's not something that can be easily faked. Or we just need to uh, get a Gabu like um, Amal Jha. Maybe. That likes hot cocoa. Well, yeah, but then you also need to get that worked up enough to be calling a, a primal. Like, if it's just a, oh, hey, this is the god of hot cocoa. 
and you're in danger, <laughs> are you really going to be calling the god of hot cocoa? If hot cocoa makes me feel that good, maybe. Eh. It worked for Harsha like, Font. Is, given at least these circumstances under which we've been seeing these deforms called, it's usually in a thing where they want some type of defender or uh, champion, or in the case of the uh, Naths, or wait, no, the Vath, some kind of conqueror. So not quite as easy to manipulate as that. I'm sure people are thinking about how, but so far we haven't seen any good avenue into that. I think if anybody's going to be the uh, uh, avatar of Hot Cocoa, it is going to be Harshifant. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, I could see him as being, uh, like, if there was going to be a DD based on him, it would be like some kind of hospitality thing, like Hestia comes to mind. Like a god of the hearth, the one who's creating a welcoming home. That would totally be Harshifant as a deity. They should make that a thing. With maybe a little bit of weird sex stuff, because Horshafal. Yes, make that a thing, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, other thing I wanted to mention really quickly, this concept of tempering. Uh, and not chocolate, which, right? No. Uh, this is something that there's a lot of assumptions... I mean, of ever, pretty much because of that trailer where Solus is talking about Hydaelyn and Zodiac as being akin to primals. It's something where there's a lot of questions about what exactly he's saying there, what's being implied by it, so I do want to be really careful here. Uh, but this idea, there's a lot, one that a lot of people have been running with, that Hydaelyn is just like the other primals and has tempered the Warrior of Light. So tempering is this idea of the strength of this desire, the strength of this primal, kind of starts to override uh, the will of the will of another person. Uh, we see that early on, where Ifrit tempers his followers to make them into uh, devoted slaves, making them want to uh, summon again. And the idea being that hey, this is something that, in terms of his life cycle, allows him to get willing followers who will continue to provide crystals, continue to provide ether, continues to sustain his existence. This isn't something that we have seen in all primals. Uh, Ramu is one that comes to mind where, although uh, some of the sylphs are tempered by the summoning process, uh, Ramu actually does not seek to temper sylphs, actively dislikes that the sylphs are doing this. Uh, he's uh, seen this as like, he does not, is not looking to perpetuate his existence. He's trying to be that fair judge image, uh, which it's really interesting to wonder about where the sylphs got that from. Uh, we've also seen ones like, for instance, Shiva or Sukuyomi, where you've got these primals that were being controlled by the will of a person that were not seeking to temper more followers, but were just seeking to use that power for another person's purposes. Uh, but it is the idea of this primal being made up, uh, this deform meeting made, being made up of ether and desire, and that desire being so strong as to kind of flood the uh, people in its presence, uh, to kind of bring them under its sway to be captured by that same desire. Uh, as I said, there's people who are speculating that Hydaelyn somehow is, uh, has been tempering us. There are a lot of Zodiac apologists. It's Really, really weird. I don't quite understand. I mean, I've got some guesses as to why. Uh, so yeah, uh, the uh, thing that's uh, uh, that does cause a lot of speculation about this, as a warrior of light, we have the Echo. The Echo is something that seems to make us immune to that primal influence. Uh, 
lots of primals who have tried to temper us. They're surprised by it, want to know, like, is there another that has us in their power? Why is it that they, it isn't working on them? Uh, one thing I did notice is that we've seen others who do have the Echo for whom it was artificially induced. Fordola is one that comes to mind where we haven't seen any sign that Heidelin gave her any particular attention, uh, but she is still immune to tempering. So the Echo, which seems to be this lowering of barriers, this ability to reach out and contact other people, uh, it seems to be that that in and of itself makes immune to tempering, but is I'm not sure if it actually is supported that it itself is a form of tempering. Uh, one comparison I saw that I actually really like and that I'm going with as headcanon for the moment is that the Echo is Heidelin jailbreaking us. <laughs> I so really, are we really broken like on the next update? Yeah, yeah. like Zodiac's going to try to send out an automatic update and we're all going to get bricked. That's definitely what's going to happen. And then we have to call up the, uh, bricks. the Heidelin store. Woo! And they're going to be like, did you get the, your Warrior of Light wet? And you're like, uh, it, it just did a couple underwater zones, but it had the ability to breathe underwater. And they're like, nah, voids of warranty. It's going to be the worst. So I have to buy a whole new version of the Warrior of Light. Uh, but it is useful to think about in terms of our understanding. Going back to that one idea, a deiform is ether plus desire. While some of those deiforms, they may temper, they may be shaped by the will of others, they may have all these various other things going on, there's lots of different variation, and the one thing that we want to go back to is this idea of ether plus desire. So if we're talking about Heidelin and Zodiac uh, as uh, being akin to primals, as being a type of primal, we can think about it, again, They uh, Solus mentions the idea of imposing a will upon the uh, upon the planet, of having this planet that's full of ether, chock full of it, and putting a desire on it, putting, imprinting like a set of beliefs, imprinting a mind onto it. In that sense, I think uh, it might be reasonable to call them a primal, but primal is a word that is really loaded, has a lot of implications, has a lot of stuff that people automatically assume based on these other ex uh, experiences we had. So I would caution you when you're looking at this to be really careful about what you're actually assuming, where that belief comes from, is that something that you've seen across all the different Dia forms? Uh, they did mention that this revelation is one that people were fairly close to, and they expect it to pale in comparison to a lot of the other stuff that's going to be revealed. So I would caution people against making too many assumptions and jumping to conclusions too quickly here. I think we've still got a lot left to find out. Very cool. And there that we was have amazing. It. That was awesome. Huh. Yeah, the whole question of primals and uh, what they are, what they're doing, how we fight against them. That's been like one of the central things throughout the uh, Final Fantasy XIV story. So I'm really excited to see where they're going to take them. All right. So this is oh, the last uh, I also point. want to address, uh, since someone asked about it in the chat, uh, Silverwolf1986 asked, Solus is an Ashton, Ashton, so why should we trust him? But at the same time, he doesn't really have a reason to lie about that either. So this is something where, again, a lot of us uh, lore mongers have 
wonder why people are so eager to leap into trusting the Asians. Elidibus, for example, rarely ever outright lies, or uh, I don't think he's ever outright said an untruth. But what he frequently does is present us part of the picture, present limited information. He makes a lot of situations look like a choice between this thing he wants us to do and something that would be really, really terrible for us. Where there may often be other choices, but he tries to give us information that just limits it to thing we absolute we would never want to do and thing that he wants. And that's the thing where I'd be careful, not worrying necessarily about whether an Asian has outright lied or given a falsehood, but whether about whether they've given you incomplete information that they expect you to draw an incorrect conclusion from. Lies of omission, uh, things like that. There's lots of ways to manipulate people without ever outright telling them an untruth. And so I would be careful about rushing to judgment based on the, well, have they ever lied before? Because they've certainly left out a lot of stuff that would have been really valuable to know. All right. Yeah, uh, Talon uh, comments in the chat that the line is, they are gods after a fashion. Like, they're fitting this, ide uh, this idea that we have, but it's maybe a little more complicated. That, that, after a fashion, is carrying a lot of weight. It's doing a lot of work. He maybe just doesn't recognize them as what they are. Or maybe he does, but again, like a lot of the other Asians, he has stuff he would really we rather be doing. Uh, also, quick thing I wanted to note, uh, just because this has come up a bit, uh, for those who are, uh, I don't consider it especially spoiler, because we were, again, we were, like, most of the way there. There is that scene where he is, uh, having that Asian mask appear over his face. Uh, people have compared the Asian masks that appear over the faces of a lot of the others. Uh, the symbology of them relates a lot to stuff appearing in Final Fantasy XII, uh, the various espers there, and these. Uh, stuff that relates to that. And uh, Solace's does match uh, portions of the sigil for uh, Zolera the Death Seraph, uh, for whom the corresponding uh, thing of light was Emmet Selk. So we've had that going around for a bit, and that does seem like confirmation that Solace is that Emmet Selk that uh, we had, had referred to before. Figures. I mean, we kind of, uh, we're pretty sure of it, but it's nice to have that confirmation. Yeah, we already know he's a prick. Oh, well, yeah. Sure. I mean, if nothing else, we can at least go to that. Dude's a dick. Yes. Hashtag Solus is a dick. Oh, rather than hashtag pizza dick. What? what? <laughs> don't tell me. I don't want to know. I do not want to know. She heals I take. Spoiler Spoiler alert, Sarah's going to Google it later. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. But... <laughs> it, it's, it's from uh, She Heals a Tank. Got when, it. When, when Pete's being oh, it's, a, a, a... I was going to say it's Pete's fault. Okay, good. Oh, Pete's a dick. Pete's a I dick. thought you were talking about a pizza which dick. Then and came I was very... From, yeah, which then evolved oh, okay. to Pete's a dick. So is it Pete's a dick or Pete's a dick? It was, so it was is this like joke. something where you're making a dick out of pizza dough? Or like you're smearing sauce on... Oh, hello, rabbit hole. We haven't been here for a while. It's good to see you. 
Hee <laughs> oh. <laughs> hee. And on that note, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's actually looking at the notes. Yeah, that is legit. If you like what We're you heard. We're not just making that up. <laughs> please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or whatever you, your preferred way to catch podcasts is. Um, and if possible, leave a rating or review because legitimately they do help people find us and lets us know what you think. So if you can, please do. Um, if you really dig this show, you can consider subscribing here at Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Phoenix radio, get access to a whole bunch of awesome, um, emotes, subscriber badges, um, or you can support us out on Patreon, like our amazing friend, Aurora Fenrir, which is out at patreon.com slash Phoenix radio. Um, and all proceeds we get for that, go to grow the show. Um, let us do some fun things and, uh, help us to continue to put on an amazing show for you guys. Um, but, um, as always, any type of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets, or retweets, follows, whatever, we always appreciate all that because we love interacting with you guys. You're the reason we keep on doing this. Uh, if you want to check out our backlog of podcasts, check out our newly redesigned phoenixdownradio.com. Um, so we have all of our, uh, old podcasts back there as well as some news articles that we've posted in the past. Um, you can email us if you have questions, podcast at phoenixdownradio.com, or you can check out our growing Facebook group out at facebook.com slash phoenixdownradio. Um, so I guess it's that time where we do the shout outs. Who wants to start? I'll go. So shout outs to, uh, MGR Chili, who has taken a little break. Uh, we miss you, buddy. Get your... Get your stuff together. We look forward to seeing you when you return. Exactly. Uh, shout outs to shout outs to my friend on Instagram, uh, Mama Dragon eighty nine, who graduated college yesterday. Which is like, okay, cool. People graduate college, yeah, but you graduate college while working full time as a single mom. It's pretty rad. So congratulations to her. That That's was a awesome. lot of hard work. Uh, shout outs to emmy and remix who are doing some awesome stuff at musecast 14 if you haven't been watching them they do story time streams uh they're currently working through stormblood so if you maybe skipped mm -hmm. a few msqs uh, you can watch through their eyes instead and where can people find you so i am Tal's marvelous you can find me on twitter at Tal's marvelous you can also find me on facebook at marvelous you can just search for Tal's Marvelous and you'll find me. I'm also on Instagram at ian.jefferson84. I post pictures of my car, food, and weird shit from Japan all the... All the... Fucking time? <laughs> all the... Yeah. Exactly. I don't know what happened, but yeah. All the server glitchy time. And hopefully you'll be able to uh, give us a new um, um, prep station soon. Oh yeah, prep station oh. probably in two weeks. Uh, yeah, maybe two, two weeks, we'll probably see. not, because that's we're, that's. Oh, we're, we're gonna be smack dab busy. in the middle of early access. I mean, we if we, yeah, assume, if we are uh, if we are doing a regular show for that, as yep. opposed to some type of stream event or something, it might not actually be unreasonable for him to do that because any lore I would want to share would be massive, massive spoilery at that point. Well, I was thinking we maybe would have enough just covering what we were getting, but if you want to prep something, cool. I'm not going to say no. I'll have something in my back pocket. Unlike the stuff at your actual prep station, it's not going to go bad if it sits for a week or two. That's true. Is true. To that <laughs> end, I should take a look at those potatoes that are hanging out in the kitchen right now. 
And Deathly Sober, like I said, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining us here, uh, trying to find a new podcast after LBR uh, kind of uh, ended. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, you enjoy what you what you see here. Like I said, we are at the end of the show, but uh, like I said, you can go ahead and check out um, the, the rest of the show and uh, everything else we've got going on. And we look forward to hearing what you think uh, legitimately. So thank you again. Um, Sarah. All right. So shout out to the various lore mongers of FF14 for your continued support, both in terms of discussing these topics, batting those ideas back and forth, as well as general shitposting memes and getting ourselves through our day. Life is hard, and it's nice to have a batch of like-minded people to share the little triumphs and tribulations with, and I thank you very much for that. Uh, shout out to my good friends, uh, Spender and Tristan, uh, for running lots of roulettes, encouraging me to actually keep playing and do fun, silly stuff, and generally being all-around stand-up dudes. Shout out to the butcher at my local Safeway, who, when I showed up near closing time on uh, Sunday last week with a request for a particular cut, four-pound roast cut, uh, paused for a little bit, went in the back and cut it, and told me to come back and let him know how it worked out, because the recipe sounded interesting. And thank you very much for that. It did turn out awesome. Uh, and a shout out to uh, Talis and Klaus, to my wonderful co-hosts, uh, for making this a pleasure to do every other week. And just again for being uh, wonderful people that uh, to chat with, to share ideas, to share this excitement. I always have fun doing this, and I always have fun hanging out with you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FFXIV. S-E-Y-R-R, -R, where I mostly post uh, pictures of random stuff that I cooked, like that uh, roast beef, which came out really, really well. Mm. Uh, fun stuff that I find at the library, and occasional music. Uh, also very pleased to announce that uh, starting tomorrow, in fact, uh, I've been uh, promoted up from the on-call position at uh, the library where I work to a permanent part-time position. So Woo! I'm going to have... It is about damn time. Congratulations. That has been the reaction of pretty much all of my coworkers, which is really, really nice. Yeah, right? It's awesome. <laughs> Congrats. Yep. So, which does come with a much more regular schedule, uh, which does not include any Saturday stuff. So no more me arriving at the last minute on these things. I That'll like be that nice. too. <laughs> I was a bit, oh man, I was such a big fan of the like Sarah in the car with his dad on the phone while driving versions of the show. That was a great time. I'm going to miss that. No, I mean, we could probably still make that happen. Sarcasm. <laughs> Papa Sarah could be a guest on the show, though. That was oh. fun. Oh, dear. Do not encourage him. <laughs> Do you know how he gets when he hears someone say something like that? <sighs> Hello, my name is Talos, and I'm a monster. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm no better. I encourage Papa Sarah to to do what he wants to do too. Nico Mancer, I, mean, I love it when he stops by. So, from an outside comedic perspective, yeah, it's great. My suffering is hilarious, <laughs> but as the person who's actually doing the suffering, not so great. Oh. Uh. All right, this is my turn now. As always, yep. I want to say a, a big shout out to you two. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, Sarah, you always do an amazing job. I thank you so much for all your hard work and helping to make my ideas become something that we can put out and present to people. 
Um, and Talis, thank you so much for uh, stepping in there and being an awesome person to jump in and help us out. You've always been a great supporter of this show. It's nice to have you as a, um, a co-host now. Absolutely. Uh, to when you have time. Um, when I have time, when I'm not opening a restaurant no, or and, traveling the world. That's the thing. I know you're a very, very busy guy, and I, I never want to impose on anything like that. So when you can give us some time, it's greatly appreciated. So thank you very much, sir. Um, shout out to our community. Um, what, reading this interesting uh, conversation going on between um, a lot of people in our Twitch chat, um, Deathly Sober, who's, like I said, stopped by after um, you know LBR is now basically called it quits. Um, it's a sad to see a 10-year podcast uh, give it up. I know um, the group, you know, the core group went on to some bigger and better things, and I wish them luck at it. But uh, seeing that such an institution go down is kind of disheartening. Um, I hope you do enjoy your time with us here. Um, and like I said, we do this every other week, um, every other Saturday night. Uh, we do it from Hyperion, which is on Primal, so you can use the World Visit to come stop by and say hi to us. Um, so shout out to all of you guys for uh, for joining us every every uh, other week. Shout out to everybody who's listening out on the podcast. Um, like I said, we invite you to come join us sometime at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. Um, and uh, we really hope to uh, see more of you guys joining us. We love this community. We have a great time doing it. Um, so for my co-hosts, Sarah Timono, and for uh, Talas Marvelous, I'm Klaus Nightbringer. Wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next one. We'll see you in Shadowbringers. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at YouTube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash guitarwanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.